0: Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go, Blues!
1: You are listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. This is Season 8, Episode 26, Franchise Episode number 212. Of course, a big thanks goes out to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. And as well, uh, I'd like to extend a thank you to Tom Calhoun. He can be found at paguytom.com. Hire him for your next MC event. Or uh, check out his books on tape, paguytom.com. Please check out the Let's Go shop and consider buying yourself a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Please subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Let's Go Blues Greatest five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. There you go. That is the, uh, that, that's a record, I think, for the quickest we've ever gotten that kind of stuff out of the way for the show and of course i'm extending it now by telling you how great it was how quickly i got it out so really i'm not saving any time by doing this Ugh, i will never learn well folks uh, this is going to be a long episode i'm just going to go ahead and warn you of that right now the shark guys and i we go a long time talking blues and sharks history as you can imagine uh, there is a lot to talk about, uh, even recently, but uh, also the uh, the meetups those teams had in the early 2000s as well. So there's a lot to get to on this episode. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, but first, let's keep the party going. Now I do not have an email to read this time, but I, I do want to stress again that after this episode, we only have five remaining until we uh, we get our regular shows back on, do our live stuff with Kurt and Bill. Uh, so if you want to contribute to Keep the Party Going, which is ending with this series, Behind Enemy Lines, uh, you need to email me now, radio at letsgoblues.com. Again, that is radio at letsgoblues.com. If you want to contribute to this segment, how are you celebrating the summer, how much did this mean to you as a hockey fan or a blues fan you know how long have you been a fan whatever you want to talk about uh send us an email let us know Uh, i love hearing from you guys Uh, i know kurt and bill do too they've read every single one so uh, let's get a couple more to end this series guys uh five more emails that'd be great uh so i do not have one to read so i am going to uh do one of my little wonderful Flashback moments where I remember something from the past with this show, except this one's not with this show. For a while there, in uh, in the 2011, 12, 13 area when this show was first kicking off, uh, I really got into podcasting, and I'll be honest with you, I still am. I love it. I, if I could make this my career, I would. It's just, as you can imagine, not a lot of money in this. Can't uh, put food on the table with podcast money uh maybe beer on the table with podcast money that's about it it's beer money i kind of dabbled with uh a couple different shows when i first got into podcasting uh i had one that I, I had a website called stormthecrease.com which uh that was uh borrowed i guess from the lyric from the great uh, the good old hockey song so yeah stormthecrease.com I had a podcast on there stormthecrease uh, What's the name of the show? I know, the real original name of The show after the website. And uh, we, uh, yeah, and I, I had a co-host for a while, but then for a while there I, I did it by myself, and, you know, whatever I could scrounge up for hockey content. And if you remember back in 2012, uh, that was during the lockout. So I was talking about the lockout a lot, not fun stuff, uh, you know, not even just for hockey fans, for anyone. I mean, it's, uh, you're talking lawyers and 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 going back and forth on on you know what what each side wants i mean it, it just was not fun but i kept doing it because i knew if i'm gonna cover the good stuff gotta cover the bad stuff too uh but one of the cool things i did in that time was i traveled up to peoria illinois which for those of you that are not local to the midwest uh it's about i want to say three and a half hours from here maybe between st louis and chicago i guess it's a little bit past springfield uh if you're coming from st louis and uh it's uh it's a nice little town the the blues used to have their minor league affiliate there ahl uh, peoria riverman they were a longtime affiliate and uh it's uh it's it's, it's a nice town they, they still have a team there I, I can't remember what league they're in maybe the sphl uh, still a fun time up there in Peoria. If you're ever looking for a nice little getaway for a weekend, uh, as crazy as it sounds, Peoria has some really cool stuff to offer. It's a fun little town. Um, but uh, I went up there because, uh, obviously, when the lockout started, the NHL uh, teams wanted to get their young guys still playing. So right before uh, the lockout starts, each team every year when this happens, they send their younger guys who are eligible for the AHL they send them down, so that way they still control them. They're still playing for the organization, basically. And that's what happened with Jaden Schwartz and Ian Cole. And uh, so I went up to Peoria, and I actually was able to... Uh, men were very cool in getting me access, and obviously at the time I was working in uh, NHL media, but still, it was cool that they, yeah, come on up. You know, they, want, they were all happy to have the coverage. So I went down after the game and interviewed uh, Jaden Schwartz, Andy and Cole. Uh, this was in October of 2012. And uh, we don't need to get too much into the Cole talk. He's not a current blue, but it's kind of interesting hearing an interview with Jaden Schwartz when he was a young man just out of college and, uh, uh, you know, had seven NHL games under his belt. And now he's playing on an AHL team, something he probably didn't expect to really be doing too much uh when he joined the blues the uh earlier the earlier that year but anyway yeah so i I really enjoyed my talk with Jaden schwartz and man i i just sit here and i think back to to that time and uh you know even though the nhl lockout was going on what a great time it was what a great time it was what a great time it was I was able to grab Jaden Schwartz, though, the Blues' first overall selection in the 2010 NHL entry draft. Schwartz saw seven games of NHL action last season, which included his first two career NHL goals. Jaden knocked in a game-winning goal Friday night in Peoria, marking his first career AHL goal. Here is my discussion with Jaden. Tonight you scored your first AHL goal. You already have your first NHL goal. Uh, what did this mean to you, and, and how important was it you to, you know, be able to contribute to the Rivermen?
2: Oh, uh, it was huge. I mean, that was that was our first one of the year, uh, so it was good to get that out of the way. And uh, anytime you can contribute to, in any way, it feels good. So uh, it was a special win. I think it was a special goal just to, just because it was that game winner, and we ended up winning at our first home game. So it was pretty it was pretty, it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, Hensick, uh,
2: definitely one of the guys that's known for his speed. What's it like playing with him out there? Well, he's a Good player. I mean, anywhere he's he's played, he's uh, you know he's succeeded. He's put up a lot of points, and he's just a smart player. It seems like he always knows what's what's around him, and uh, you know any any one-on-one battle, is usually uh, coming out on top. So he's he's a great player to play with. Uh, Ian Cole obviously he's probably got
1: the most NHL experience on this roster. What does he mean to the Rivermen, and what does he bring to your blue line?
2: Well, he's a steady defenseman back there. Like you said, he's got experience. Uh, you know, he always played the NHL level. He's he kind of does it all. He seems 90 you know he laid a big hand. He got in fight. Uh, you know he'll jump offensively he'll shut down defensively so he played a big big part in our winning it.
1: You've uh, made quite the crazy jump I guess you could say all the way from college to the NHL and now to the AHL. Uh, what has this meant for your experience
2: levels and what does it mean for
1: where you're going to be at in 5-10 years?
2: Uh, I'm not really sure I just try to focus on the task at hand it's, it's been a bit of a ride though it's been a, definitely a whirlwind obviously last year right after college uh, but that was that was a special experience up in the NHL last year and I just try taking that experience with me down here um, and learn as much as I can and get better while I'm down. Here, so uh, we got a good group of guys here. They're fun to work with, and, and uh, you know it's just exciting anytime time you get to play Hawks, especially at this level. There's been uh, a couple guys, uh, like Berigno uh, or Berigno, uh,
1: fully know that's come out and said that he actually enjoys his time in the AHL and it's a good learning experience
2: for him. Uh,
1: would you say that that's
2: pretty much accurate with you as well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of NHL players that play in the American League, and uh, you know, you, you play a lot of minutes when you're down here. Uh, you know, you're with, with a good group of guys. You know, it's it's a grind every every night. You know, the bus trips are um, you know are fun to be on. There's you know I play a lot of games and you know not very in like short amount of days. So um, it's it's a good experience. I haven't been a part of it for too too long yet, but I'm definitely having fun.
1: So as I said, this is uh, going to be a very long interview here, folks. But I I tell you, it is worth it. It's worth the listen. It's worth the two hours. Uh, Eric and AJ from Teal Town USA. Good 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 friends of the show. Uh they uh they joined me. We recorded this on August 6th. So this was well after the Stanley Cup final had ended and obviously the Western Conference final had ended and uh we talked for a long time. So uh, without further ado, let's not really introduce it because there's too much to get to. Here's Eric and AJ from Teal Town USA. Today on Let's Go Blues Radio, Behind Enemy Lines, I am talking to Eric and AJ from Tealtown, USA. That's tealtownusa.com. You can find their podcast. Long, long time friends of the show. But we'll get to Eric and AJ in a minute. Uh, We're going to talk San Jose Sharks today. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of these two teams before we get into it. Uh, First of all, the Blues' all-time record against the Sharks in 101 games played. They've got 57 wins. 36 losses, two, let's see what would there be, two ties and six overtime losses. Um so that's a pretty good record for the Blues, but keep in mind the uh, Sharks were uh let's just say swimming out of the gate uh, in the regular seasons when they first came in, so uh kind of pads the stats there for the Blues a little bit. Uh but the first meeting between these two franchises was on October 12th, 1991. Uh that was in St. Louis. The Sharks uh ended up uh, losing that one 6-3, to three. Jeff Brown, Adam Oates, and Bob Basson all scored their first goals of the season. Dave Christian scored two goals, and Murray Barron uh, scored his first goal as a St. Louis Blue. All interesting notes uh, coming from that game. And Curtis Joseph actually got two assists in that game as well, which uh, is a rare feat for a goaltender. Uh, also, Curtis Joseph's first shutout as a St. Louis Blue Came against the San Jose Sharks. That was on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety-one, in St. Louis. That was a uh, twenty-one save performance in a four-nothing St. Louis Blues win. And then Al McKinnis's first game as a St. Louis Blue came on January twentieth, nineteen ninety-five, in San Jose. He had one assist in a five-two Blues win. And then last important note: Brian Elliott's first game as a St. Louis Blue, which I actually remember because uh, that was the year that uh, Yaroslav Halak was faltering. Ken Hitchcock uh, came in later that year and relieved Davis Payne. But uh, that was Brian Elliott's first game as a Blue, October 15th, 2011. And I was in San Jose, 34 saves on 36 shots in a big Blues win. And um, again, that uh, kind of jump started a goalie controversy in St. Louis, a term we are. Near and dear to our hearts here in St. Louis, because it seems like we have one all the time. But uh, that's for another podcast. So I want to welcome in Eric and AJ from Teal Town, USA. Again, friends of the show. Guys, thank you very much for coming on today.
0: Hey, thanks for having us,
3: man. Thank you for having us. Uh, have you gotten Gloria out of your ears yet? I'm actually... Uh, I actually inserted an earbug that sings
1: it 24-7. <laughs> So it's 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 in, it's on purpose. It's always there.
0: I don't know. I heard you inv, uh, invoke Adam Oates name and I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, the guy who doesn't like Tomash Hurdle. Because, yeah. OK, anyway,
1: <laughs> what, what's the history there? Let's hear about this one.
0: Oh, you don't. It was
3: it, it was Adam Oates, right, Eric? Yeah. Yeah. When he was the coach of the Capitals, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, so, uh, the, the game when Tomas Hurdle put up four goals against the New York Rangers in his rookie year. Oh, and,
3: that's
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and kind of basically put, uh, Marty Baron into retirement. If I remember correctly, I think Baron actually like sent Tomas Hurdle his goal stick from that game and said, yeah, okay, you made it clear. I'm done. I'm not playing this game any longer. <laughs> and of course the one guy who jumps out to everybody is at a mode saying that's disrespecting the game. And meanwhile, there's just miles of footage of other guys doing something very similar. So and either way. Yeah. That's all. I always...
1: remember that. Yeah. Thomas. that was one of the ones, uh, Tomas hurdle scored a sick goal on Henrik Lundqvist that game.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it wasn't his first three goals on Lundqvist. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I forgot about that, man. Yeah, I remember Adam Oates coming. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're not involved in this game. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I think that was like Hurdle's like maybe fifth NHL game, and so yeah, it was it was insanely sick. Like, but by, by his fifth game, he had already scored I think something like seven or eight goals. Uh, you know, as his rookie year, so pretty awesome.
1: Uh, yeah, that's uh, man. That's yeah. That's. Uh... I still, Tomas Hurdle, I mean, we're going to get into the 16 and 19 uh, uh, meetings here in a little bit, but um, before we get started in, in our history of these two teams, which is long storied, uh, Tomas Hurdle is one hell of a hockey player. I mean, I don't think he gets the credit league-wide that he deserves because, man, he, uh, the way he skates, the way he moves the puck when he's healthy, um, he's just got some tremendous skill. So, yeah, i I hate playing
0: against him. (laughs) Yeah, He's you know, that's the thing that's that's been kind of a bad thing with Tomas is that he started out gangbusters and then he was bitten by the injury bug, had some knee issues and whatnot. And then you look at this season, not only was he completely healthy, but he came in starting on the wing and right around December ish or so that, you know, uh, uh, Peter DeBoer decided to make some changes. Things weren't. Flowing. I don't think Eric Carlson was kind of gelling that way. I don't know if he was uh, dealing with the fact that he was, okay, well, I've got to go back to Ottawa at the beginning of December and blah, 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 and get over that emotional hurdle. But right around the turn of the year, it was, you know what? Hurdle, you have been on our radar the entire time that you're going to be one of the top centers in this group. It's time for you to finally make that change because they have tried... hurdle at center a few times before and it just wasn't working and then this year for some reason it just clicked for him so it's gonna be good interesting
1: uh so i want to talk to you guys kind of going back to the early days now again i, I mentioned this actually in our live show and actually i should mention this now um, before i forget i did promise kirk price and bill day that i would say hello to you guys on their behalf
0: so <laughs> hello true. from kurt and bill What's up, Kurt? What's up, Bill? And uh, you know what? Hello to you, all of you guys from Chris JWS. Hope you guys enjoyed the brew.
1: We did, man. As I was telling you guys off air, um, I, I already forgot the name of the brewery again Modern Something.
0: Modern Times.
1: Modern Times. Uh, I had one of those last night. Uh, this was, again, this is being recorded after our uh, 200th show, Spectacular, as I've been calling it. Um so that's why I keep referencing the uh, live show we just did but yeah it's um man that was that was some great beer I mean I I know you guys are all like oh you know California beer is better than St. Louis beer and we We're all not kind wrong. of we scoffed at it <laughs> and uh I'm not saying it's anything better than than Four Hands or anything out here in St. Louis but uh man that was some great stuff so you guys definitely did talk up some good beer
0: Well let me ask you this are you a coffee drinker as well
1: not really, but I do enjoy coffee stout. Is that's what you're getting to?
0: No, no, not at all. Actually, at Modern Times actually makes like a, a cold brew coffee. You know, like a iced coffee in a can. It's actually also very good. So it's like if you need your morning jolt, that, that dear lord, are, are we? Are, how much are we getting paid from Modern Times for this?
1: I, I'll I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll
0: get them to cut you a check after
1: this is over. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> i right, Sounds it. good. Uh, so guys i wanted to well first of all I want to talk to you guys again I mentioned the first meeting between these two teams was uh october twelfth nineteen ninety one and that 's uh obviously uh right there at the start for uh san jose shark 's history um one of their first games i I should have looked up what number that was for them but uh nineteen ninety one and I know you guys are are both very young i mean you 're uh, just cracking twenty one I believe um both of you?
3: <laughs> yes, yes. We've, we've um, pretty much seen uh, every Sharks game ever, but we're 21, yes. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, so what's, uh, what, and I've asked this kind of everybody when I do these behind enemy line shows, these teams that came in after the Blues, uh, for those that can remember uh, the early years, you know, obviously uh, the playoff success that you guys had early against the Red Wings step comes out to mind, but um, when, when it was announced that San Jose was getting a team, and, and obviously a lot of that can be contributed to Wayne Gretzky's success in L.A. Um, but what was what was the talk like around the Bay Area that uh, that there was professional hockey uh, coming to
3: San Jose? There was a little hesitation, I, I think, right off the get go, the uh, ownership group and the management group of the of the team. Uh, I think one of the first questions was, "What makes you think hockey will be successful this go around?" After after the seals, you know, did not just do anything right uh, in Oakland, and then you know moved on to Cleveland, and then you know merged with Minnesota. Uh, there, there was a little bit of buzz, and and then the logos came out and the colors, uh, teal and black, just was a merchandising marketing genius and it just caught on like crazy i mean i think if i'm not mistaken when the sharks came into the league outside the chicago bulls their their merchandise was probably the most popular and most sold uh in all four professional sports at that time so there definitely was a buzz and that translated to a uh full cow palace the those first two Painful expansion years, you know, expansion woes. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, Vegas well, and, doesn't know anything about that.
0: Well, it, it, yeah, Vegas knows nothing about that. And I don't think it really it's, – it's one of those things where you have to experience it to fully appreciate what an absolute hole that the Cub Palace is. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. really is – it's not – set up for hockey whatsoever. I don't know if you've ever heard of the stories where like the locker rooms were actually underneath the ice and everything. So these these poor guys are having to walk downstairs in skates to get back down to their dressing room and then walk up steps to get back onto the ice. It was just it was a nightmare. Uh the 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 walkways there there's no such thing as a concourse at the Cow Palace. It's walkways and there may be 10 feet wide i mean it's it's insane so to consider that uh it it, it's pretty amazing to think about it but if you look at it with the 2020 vision i actually think that maybe those first two years playing at the cow palace actually kind of helped build the fervor for the San Jose fan base that they were just like, okay, they've been in San Francisco two years. Okay, bring our boys home. And I think it helped drive the fanaticism of the South Bay into finally having their own professional team after decades of living in the shadows of Oakland and San Francisco. So, it, it, it and, and to this day, I still get that kind of inkling that Yeah, that's that's one of the things that San Jose really holds on to. The residents of the South Bay is like, this is our team and it's our sport. You know, San Francisco and Oakland can have football and basketball and baseball. We're a hockey city, and this and they've totally embraced that. It's now I'll be the first one to admit that you know those first five six years at the tank, it's it you know it. I don't know how many times you would hear particularly out of section 209, which is famous in the, in these, uh, neck of the woods that people would, if boy, if the sharks had a, had the puck on the power play, shoot, yeah, shoot! <laughs> yep. you know, like, like that's all it was. Uh, but lo and behold, you know, as time went on, they became more educated in the game. And so now maybe people are, are held to account a little bit more and, It's been a nice thing to say, or, you know, to witness, you know, in my, you know, I'm so youthful, I'm only 30, but uh, anyway, um, (laughs) but it's, it's been a nice thing to, to, to watch happen and, uh, and to get back to your initial, uh, uh, initial talking point. um, Yeah. The, the St. Louis blues were the fifth game in sharks franchise history It's two against the Canucks. One against Calgary, one against Winnipeg. So St. Louis actually holds the distinction of being the first United States team, if you will, to face the Sharks, even though it was a loss. But yes, first U.S. matchup for the Sharks was versus the Blues.
1: That's, uh, you know, what? I'm going to contact the Blues, tell them that there needs to be a banner hanging up. Right. We are, <laughs> we are the first U.S. team to play the San Jose Sharks. That's impressive. Uh, what do you what think you Carolina
0: Nashville? yeah I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, Carolina, Nashville? Nashville, yeah. yeah. Uh, they'll hang a banner for anything
1: that's right that's right uh so again uh th- these two teams we mentioned it uh you know October 12th 1991 was uh the first meeting there was a couple more since then obviously but uh one that uh stands out in Eric's mind happened in 1995 I'm told you have something for us Eric what's that
3: yeah, so, of course, the Sharks really had the toughest time playing the Blues. Uh, I think it was like year three until like March of 1994 that they got their first win against St. Louis. But in the 95-96 season, the Sharks started the season oh seven and 4 And it got to the point where fans and broadcasters were like making a pot where the the guy who scores the game winning goal for the first win of the season would get all this money. And unfortunately happened against St. Louis. And, and unfortunately it also in, included a five minute power play where the sharks scored multiple goals. Uh, and, and, and it in,
0: sounds so familiar. What do we know? I know?
3: And, and the reason why it reminded me, because you mentioned Murray Barron and he took a five minute slashing major, on jeff reason and i just remember that game where he just his bear and stick gets tied up with reason he was so mad he just completely two hands him be under you know behind his knee knocks him down for like a couple of minutes and next thing you know it's <laughs> it's game over the blues are going home and and the sharks finally have their first win of the season and uh Uh, i would i would who got the the money oh kevin miller former st louis blue kevin miller ended up getting the game-winning goal on assists from owen nolan and former blue craig Janney.
0: was 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 this kip miller's brother yeah oh hey now craig Janney. never say that name to me again (laughs) <laughs> craig, what's your problem?
1: what's your beef with craig Janney?
0: no he, he was oversold to the franchise let's just say that we all thought that it was like we're finally going to get this this he's going to be a key cog a key center and everything like that jenny wore 25 right 15 15 okay i 15 knew there was a the five yeah yeah okay so 15 okay but either way you know he was kind of oversold to the franchise a little bit and that's that's not something that hasn't continued since that point. There's definitely been a few acquisitions here and there that have been kind of oversold, at least in my opinion to the franchise. We'll leave Mark Bell's name out of it, but there's been a few (laughs) that have been, you know, a little kid and I'll, I'll be the one to say that Doug Wilson, he, he's gotten rid of whatever that was. He shook it a couple years ago, but you have no idea how many times there would be some sort of acquisition whether it was questioned by the fans or not, it would be an acquisition that the front office would make. And you, I mean, Eric can back me up on this. Nine out of 10 acquisitions for a few years there, it was always, well, he has a ring. Whether it was, oh, God. yeah, whether it was Tyler Kennedy. I mean, like it started with Mike Vernon and that's, you know, and Doug Wilson wasn't even the GM back then. It was Dean Lombardi, but it was, there was acquiring Mike Vernon all the way to, you know, uh, who did I just Adam, say? <laughs> uh, well, you, Mark I was Bell. A, no, no Mark it, Bell. But, there's no way Mark Bell hasn't. No, Tyler Kennedy. No. That's who it was. Tyler Kennedy. It was Kennedy, like, it was Adam like Tyler Kennedy. Yeah. The, oh, there's another one. Yeah, Adam bursch Where it's just like they sit there and go, "Well, they've got a ring," and then you just sit there and go. Okay, you know they were clearly passengers at the back of the bus. They weren't driving. There were no. They don't know where the steering wheel was even located. But yeah, okay, he's got a ring. And of course, my, you know, kind of counter argument to that was always, well, how, how many guys in the 2012 LA Kings had a ring? If I remember yeah. correctly, not a whole lot. So maybe being hungry. Is better than knowing what it's like to have been there. You know what I mean. But uh, hey, that's a topic for a whole nother show.
1: Hey, you want to um, you you want to change that to to be a little bit more modern? Um, you could say you know the twenty nineteen St Louis Blues who had a ring before twenty nineteen St Louis Blues. None of them, and now the St Louis Blues are Stanley Cup champions.
0: See, you guys, and that you guys heard me say it? that right. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. No. Hey, fifty two <laughs> years, goddamn you deserve it. But that's like, right. But that but that's a great, fantastic example of you know a different outlook. And thank God Doug Wilson, you, you know, he's definitely you look at at Doug Wilson, I mean, how long has he been a GM with the same team? I mean, is there anybody longer than him? Maybe one other person? Maybe. David Poyle. Okay, yeah, David Poyle with the Predators. Yeah. that's probably it. Yeah. That's and the, yeah, I was going to say, and the fact that that team came into the league, you know, after Doug was already retired and <laughs> but, uh, it's you look at Doug Wilson's success and, you know, taking over succeeding uh, Dean Lombardi. What was that? Oh, four. And so for 15 years, uh, you know, there's been a couple of times where some of his acquisitions were a little quizzical, whether it was Havlap for he- uh, Heatley. Uh, some of his uh, deadline deals didn't exactly pan out the way you had hoped. Uh, Brian Campbell comes to mind. So, and then of course, Mark Bell, which is going to be always the anchor that sinks the ship. But (laughs) you, when you look at though, at when maybe while those kind of deadline deals have not swung in Wilson's favor, look at what he has done when it comes to the quote unquote blockbuster deals. Tell me, Anybody who would not have traded Marco Sturm, Brad Stewart, and Wayne Primo for Joe Thornton. I mean, oh that was a God That a, yeah, that, that trade. A,
1: it, it actually pissed me off when that <laughs> <trade happened. laughs> because I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That's all they had to give up for him. Like yeah, I you're would trade off the off whole blue's roster. Yeah, you're oh, yeah. pissed off at yeah. Boston
0: for that. So you look at that deal. Then you look at like Matt Carl, Ty Wissert, and I mean, I can't remember what the other piece was to get Dan Boyle and Lukowitz. And and that worked out swimmingly. Then you look at Charlie Coyle, who at that point was a prospect, really. Um, uh, Devin Setaguchi, the poor guy, it had been announced like the day before that he had signed an extension. And a first round pick who ended up becoming nothing in the league. Guys never played a, a shift in the NHL, uh, off to get Brent Burns who, you know, look at what Brent Burns has become. So when you look at these kind of quote unquote blockbuster deals, you could even throw in the Eric Carlson deal, you know, like, yeah, yeah he, he gave up a couple picks and, uh, Oh God, who's the Cuda guy that was part of that? That was kind of beloved here in San Jose, Eric. Oh gosh, who is that player. Yeah. Who's the player? Balsers. Oh, Rudolph so, Balsers. Yeah. Yeah. So Balsers was actually kind of a, a, a big name prospect for the Barracuda. So that all to get Carlson and the, you know, and the really funny thing is, you know, Francis Perron came in that and he was the minor league kind of, I don't know, add on piece. He actually lit the Barracuda on fire for his first few months where there were certain Sharks fans who were like watching the CUDA and the Sharks going, Why is Perron putting out more points than Eric Carlson? This is supposed to be the guy who's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it was kind of funny the way that that worked. But again, going back to Wilson's tenure over these 15 years, he might not be a great trade deadline guy, but god damn, does he know how to pull off a blockbuster? You'd be hard pressed to find any trade that you can look at in hindsight and say he lost so yeah and 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 his you know just the hello how again 15 years second longest tenure that's pretty impressive the what most playoffs over the last 12 years 10 years whatever like only second to detroit or whatever and like he might actually own the record now at this point it's like literally the only thing he doesn't have is a cup It's an amazing run of success. And you know what, Jeff, let me ask you this, because we have bandied about this, I don't know how many times. Would you rather be the San Jose Sharks that over the course of the last 12 years or whatever it's been, uh, or you know what, let's go go full-blown 20 years. Now, granted, Wilson's only been in charge for the last 15, but over the last 20 years, who would you rather be? Would you rather be the Dallas Stars who won it 20 years ago and... Over the last 20 years, you know, they've had things here and there that's, you know, different coaches and whatever. And, yeah, they lost their big names, whether it's Madonna or, uh, God, who was that defenseman that used to piss me off back in the 2000s? Nairie Hatcher. Hatcher, that's the one. Although new is a great guess, but it, no, it was Hatcher. Uh, but the, And then, of course, Ed Belfour. But, mm-hmm. anyway, would oh. you rather be that team that won it once and since then goes the next 20 years not really expected to do much you know like the, yeah there's been some playoff appearances here and there but have they ever been a threat really i mean maybe once or twice is a couple of people picked them over the last couple of years where you go oh you know i think dallas but you know ben bishop and blah 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 but would you rather that or would you rather be the sharks that over the last 20 years have missed the playoffs like three times in 20 years and- and have made four Western Conference finals. Well, no, I guess five now, right? Oh, four, four 2010,
3: 2011,
2: five,
0: 16, and this last year. Yeah, five. Yeah. So, you, you know, five Western Conference finals, one Stanley Cup final, and, you know, two wins away from winning it all, but a consistent where it's, it's essentially every year you show up in October, there is hope. There have been times in Dallas there was no hope whatsoever in the building. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, what would you rather? So granted it's the most successful team on the planet that hasn't won the whole thing.
1: Speaking as someone who
0: never just won in 52 years. Well, no, Well, yes. (laughs) I was going to say,
1: speaking as somebody who thought his team would never ever in a million years win it. And then somebody who just saw his team win it. uh, I could say on both accounts I think I'd rather be the Dallas stars because at least you, you're champion once At least you've seen it. You, <laughs> you went there, you went the distance, you saw your team win. Um, granted you, like you said that really, I mean, they had a Western conference final appearance in said 09 or 08 or something. Um, but outside of that, you know, they went to the Stanley cup final, I think the next year in 2000. Um, but outside of that, they really haven't done much, but, you know, something but. we've, we've been talking about already, uh, between B Kurt and Bill is, you know, as, as much as, as many terrible mistakes somebody like Doug Armstrong has made in his tenure with the Blues. Um, mm-hmm. he just gained about five years of meh, do whatever you want, Doug. You got, <laughs> you got us a championship, you know? So right. speaking of in terms of that. I just, knowing now what, and, and just again, just wanting to see it for so long. And now that I've seen it, I, I gotta say that I, I gotta have at least that one championship. And, and sorry guys, I've, 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 I've felt your pain for so long. And I, I'm telling you now, I hope San Jose honestly wins a cup within the next couple of years because I, I really and truly want to see you guys celebrate um but yeah man i gotta say like getting the one getting it done finally it feels so fucking good
0: (laughs) oh absolutely and and you think about it too and see and i mentioned the 99 stars because it's like okay they were first in the pacific to get it finally but let's be honest it still has an it, you know foot in the crease true that's true no it still has that little bit of a stain um but yeah, no, I, I feel because for the longest time, and I don't know how much you guys had to deal with it there in St. Louis, but there was a, a little bit of a, a time during those playoffs, whether it was, you know, 04 or 12 or whatnot, where it was kind of like, you know, here's the St. Louis Blues coming in, you know, they've made the playoffs like the last 27 years in a row, can't get, you know, and Boy, you know, you'd hear that on uh the, the national broadcasts and it got to the point where you're just kind of like, you know what? God damn it, St. Louis needs to win one, man. Come on. You know, you're yep. tired of seeing them where they go to the playoffs like twenty-seven years in a row and just can't be, and, and it's like, Oh, please don't let it be fifty-two years for the sharks.
1: <laughs> so the the order that that I've recorded these behind enemy lines, it's not exactly the order that uh, I've been um debuting them. Um, hmm. so I, I've started to record a couple of these back in March. And, Sorry, and Dallas fans. Yeah, no. So we actually <laughs> had, uh, we actually had a, a lot of, um, uh, people, you know, kind of say, Hey, I'm, I'm always rooting for the blues, man. You know, like a lot of the teams I first talked to, uh, were teams that weren't going to make the playoffs. So the Rangers, the Sabres, the Kings, the ducks, and, and all of, all of those people, <laughs> We're saying like, I'm rooting blues, man. Every, every time my team not there, I'm rooting blues and you know, I hope you guys can finally get one. And I'm, after a while, it was like, God, I feel like a charity case. You know, like I feel like the blues are just that team, like everyone's rooting for because they, everyone feels like it's just never going to happen. So it's, it's it, again, it's nice being able to finally witness it. But now I think that that torch has been passed on. I guess probably Canucks are next. Uh, in terms oh, of no, no, but that's but that's, no. that's the thing is that there's a lot of people that hate Canucks fans. Oh God, so. yeah,
0: but 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 they <laughs> brought that on themselves. That's okay, true. you know, you you go to the final three times. Okay, fine, ninety four. New York you know, was messy as time. Okay, whatever. But if you go back and and Eric and I have talked <laughs> about this, I don't know how many times. You go back to twenty eleven, and Eric and I, there there at the time there was a a radio station in Vancouver that would stream online and we became very uh, big fans of their afternoon show because they were, they were insanely honest and it was, you know, first it was two things. First off, they were really honest and they weren't blowing smoke. They weren't, you know, cheerleaders and pumping the tires, which unfortunately in the Bay area, we only have two sports stations here and their lips are pressed firmly against the cheeks of the san francisco 49ers the giants and of course warriors Uh, so the hope of hearing anything in regards to the way of sharks talk is a farce a joke it's (laughs) actually one of the reasons why we began teal town usa so uh, you know just to offer some sort of coverage for fans like us it was just kind of like look i just want to talk about hockey and we're not getting that from our local sports stations so we became big fans of this uh, TSN station up in Vancouver because not only was it a ton of talk. Because, well, what else are they? What else are they going to talk about when it comes to sports? What they're going to throw in five minutes about the Seattle Mariners? Sure, right, go ahead. Right. <laughs> so it, it was nice to talk to to listen to these guys, and they had some really good bits. But I, I kind of got sucked into listening to this, and then. As those 2011 playoffs progress once, okay. and, of course, the Sharks the sharks were out. Let's not talk about the stanchion goal, but we, we move on. And it ends up going to Vancouver versus Boston. I know St. Louis fans probably aren't that well-versed against Boston. Oh, wait. But oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, um,
1: that's right. We hate their fans.
0: And I, I kid you not, if you go back and you look at 2011 – Uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks won the first two games of that series. And if I remember correctly, like game one was like a score of like two, one and game two was a score of three, two. Maybe those are inverted, but I remember they were both one goal games. They were both insanely close. And a lot of it had to do with Roberto Luongo and it goes to game three. And I'm listening to a lot of pregame and I'm listening to some, Canucks fans calling up after game two and before game three, calling into the radio station saying, we should let the Bruins win one in Boston so we can win it in five and win it at home. Like they were already, you know, engraving the names on the cup. And I'm like, you have two wins. That's it. you haven't left the friendly confines of Rogers. Take (laughs) it down a notch, you know? And then what happens in game three? I, I don't remember the final score, but if I remember correctly, like Boston scored eight goals. It was, it was like an yeah, eight, yeah. Two eight win to win or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eight to one. Okay. Eight yeah. to one. But it was like, yeah, literally, Boston literally doubled your output in one game that you guys did in the first two games. And then the really funny thing was listening to post game. After game three, fans calling in going, oh my fucking God, I can't believe Elaine Vigneault went with uh, Luongo over Schneider. I'm like, You guys were like sucking off Luongo after the first two games and now you're going to bitch that they went with Schneider? Really? And so just to listen to how entitled the Vancouver fans were at first and then how quickly they just flipped on a dime. It was just like... I'm sorry, I can never give Canucks fans respect ever again after that. It was just- I think
1: a lot of people are with you. We we uh we had a couple uh playoff meetings with them. Maybe it was just one back in I think it was '03, and uh yeah, we we learned real quick. Uh, it was funny because I remember being on the Let's Go Blues dot com forum and seeing like you know, and th- this was always kind of the joke, you know, the uh, uh the old forum days. You know, you go in in the middle of February, March, and you know, I would say, you know. Ninety two active participants, uh, two guests, you know, and, and but then if you look like right before the playoff started, it would say like ninety two active participants and one hundred nine guests because you had <laughs> trolls from the other team that were like yep. checking out the other message boards. And and oh, man, Vancouver, those people just flooded the Let's Go Blues.com forum, and we're just oh I can't wait to see Bertuzzi take off Pronger's head. And you know, it's just, oh my God, go away. Like nobody wants to talk to you.
0: Dude, no, I I don't know what it is about the Pacific Northwest. It's like they think that they're Boston. You know? <laughs> or at least that area. It's like, okay, right. in the last 15 years, it's like, how many Super Bowls have the Patriots won? Yeah. How many times have the Red Sox won? Uh, the Boston Bruins have been pretty successful. I think the Celtics even managed to fire off one in that time frame. It's been an amazing amount of success for you know Chowder Country, and I I don't understand where Vancouver's getting this from. <laughs> yep. but, you know, good for you guys.
1: They had two guys who looked really similar that played on the same line for a while, so they can hang their hats there. Right. <laughs> I guess that's it.
0: And and the thing is that. They there were a couple people like the Sadines. I don't know if you go back and you look at some of those playoffs, but like you see Joe Thornton speed backing speedbagging one of the Sadines or jamming his finger up a guy's nose while they're talking to an official. Uh the stuff that they that the the Vancouver would let people get away with. It was it was either a case of Sadines who would just let themselves get speed bagged and not stand up for themselves whatsoever. Or then you got guys like Alexander Burroughs who's trying to bite people's fingers off. Yep. It's just, yeah, it was, They it made it really hard to root for those guys. And the thing that pisses me off now is I look and it's like, whether it's like Vertanen, um, you know, Brock Besser. I mean, they've got some talent on there that you, that you're like, God, I'm excited to see a couple of these guys. It's still fucking Vancouver. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yep.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, it pisses me off. Man, guys, we we have we don't even need to talk about Blues and Sharks. Let's keep bitching about fan bases. What
0: do you guys think about the Red Wings fans? Oh, fuck those guys. No, i uh, no, I mean, hey, they got a new arena. Good for them. Okay, for so them. moving on.
1: All right, guys. Uh, this is uh, this has been great so far, but let's uh, let's get down a little bit of business here. Um, first thing I'm going to talk to you guys about, and uh, this is going to hurt me a little bit. I know, First of all, I know... A lot of people tuning in are going to want to hear us talk about the uh, 2016 and 2019 meetings, uh, especially 2019 if you're a Blues fan. But um, but we do want to kind of run through some some history because a lot of it's pretty important, at least in Blues lore, and I would imagine it's important in Sharks lore as well. Uh, first one I want to talk about the 2000 first round series. Uh, blues won the President's Trophy. They go 51-19-11 and one. That's 114 points. That's the best record in blues history, uh, but they go on and lose to the San Jose Sharks in seven games. I have talked about this one on the show multiple times. Everybody talks about the Eiserman goal, uh, back in 96. And, and yes, that's a dagger into most blues fans hearts. Uh, we all say that it's a little better now because at least the blues have won one, but it still hurts for me. The the game that the the one that and and I want to talk to you guys about a couple of things that happened in this series, but the one I want to uh, uh, mention first of all was the Owen Nolan red line goal in Game Seven. Now, there's a little bit of more history for me in terms of first of all, I hated Owen Nolan. Owen Nolan to me was public enemy number one. Uh, it was him and Nick Kiprios in St. Louis for me. Always hated Owen Nolan. Uh, just such a bully, and and you know obviously doing his job you know in san jose you guys love him because of what he did but anywhere else you hate him uh but also that was my 15th birthday uh that was my my dad my dad splurged and for my birthday uh got tickets seven rows off the ice we were sitting right behind roman turek um when that goal went in and i'm sure you guys remember the goal itself but roman told turek What are you talking about? What goal? What are you talking about? Jumps to make the save jumps a six foot four goalie jumps to make a save. And uh, it, it it goes in off him. I remember, I mean, vividly like it was yesterday, uh, just standing up after that goal went in because, because it was still a close game. It was late in the second period. I remember just standing up and yelling, why are you jumping?
0: I mean, just, just say late late in the second period, it was like with like 10 seconds left, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. He was just, I think Nolan was just shooting it in. Yeah, he was I, just I
0: like, like the clock was about to expire, and he's like, Yeah, okay, I'll just like fire this down there. But at the very least, it's not going to be, you know, coming back towards uh shields, so we're fine. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this I'm almost Owen in N- tears right now just thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nolan, I will say this. It's funny for the rhetoric that surrounds Nolan, because if you think about it, Owen Nolan is somewhat beloved in San Jose. And I honestly, I think that goal maybe accounts for 70% of it. You think about it as like, we had Doug Wilson for the first couple of years as captain. Then we move on to Bob Airy, who's captain for a couple of years. Then you throw Jeff Rogers in there for a year. Todd Gill. It was it like... It, it was a lot of kind of well, these are like rentals. They didn't in in even though Owen Nolan wasn't homegrown. It was an acquisition with Colorado in exchange for Sandus Ozelinch. Who to if boy, I don't know if you look at that trade in hindsight, especially when you consider how valuable offensive defensemen are. I don't know if Doug Wilson makes or well, not Doug Wilson, Dean Lombardi. I don't know if you make that trade. Again, when you look at it in hindsight, because Ozil Lynch was a really good player, but uh, back to Owen Nolan, I, the one thing that I'm that, um, take the red line goal out of it what, what, before then, what is it that drove you nuts about Owen Nolan?
1: Just the way, he played. I mean, first of all, um, he, that was the series that really made me not like him. I mean, it was uh, before, <laughs> before that, you know, I mean, face, let's face it a part of it's that the blues lost to the sharks and they were the best team in the NHL and, uh, Owen Nolan was the captain, kind of the face of that team. So yes. that's part of it. But um, in terms of just Owen Nolan, the player, um, he just so Chris Pronger got bullied a lot in that series and, and he let it get to him. He took a lot of stupid penalties um, and and it, it did cost the Blues to a certain extent, especially the games in San Jose. And Owen Nolan was was kind of the, behind a lot of that. There was a lot of times behind the play. Nolan was slashing him or giving him an extra punch in the back after hitting him into the boards. And it just, it irritated pronger and it would set pronger off. And he would again, take a stupid penalty and the referee would. S-
0: what's that? Are you, are you trying to say that Owen Nolan was like Bergeron before there was a Bergeron or I'm Ta- sorry, not Bergeron. I'm sorry. A Berge, uh, a Marchand before Marchand. there was a Marchand.
1: Yeah, a little, but except Nolan could back it up a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nolan well, was, yeah,
1: a, was literally. a tough guy too. Like he could drop the gloves and fight anybody. Marshawn's not the same way. So, no, I don't put them in the same category. Uh, no. But, no, I, Nolan was just – and, and again, it, it's also – and we talk about this with Marshawn, if, if you want to make a comparison, that, you know, the thing about Marshawn that, that, that really pisses you off, too, is he's going to bully you and, and do something stupid to make you take a penalty or he's going to do something that's going to land him in the penalty box but then he's going to come out of the box and he's going to score a damn goal on you. Yeah. And and that's kind of how Owen Nolan was in that series. He would he would piss off the Blues to the point where they would take a stupid penalty, pronger, namely, and then he would score on the power play. It's ah, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I'll, I'll see. I'll say this is uh, for Nolan. Um, yeah, no, he's he's definitely beloved. But I'll be the first one to say. Uh, you know, there's a couple times where I'm just going, oh, Christ, Nolan, what the hell? I mean, there there was a hit on Jason Marshall. I mean, there there's right, a couple yeah. times where he definitely was a little too pissed off. Let the uh, emotion or the moment take over. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, no, that's the whole thing is you have to give it up to Nolan, and I hate saying this type of shit because the, it's typically one of the things that I hate about players uh, when they pull this crap in the playoffs, and, and but – To me, Nolan, he took advantage of, at that point, an immature Chris Pronger. I think Chris Pronger at that point was, uh, he just, he wasn't used to what happens in the playoffs at the time. And maybe he, the captaincy, uh, just too much responsibility was thrust on him too early. Maybe that's something that um Al McGinnis should have kind of jumped in and said, "Hey, take it back, big boy. The you know, don't worry about this cuz that was a thing. Chris Pronger those first 3 games especially. Man, it seemed like any call that went against the Blues, he was right in the official's face he Yes. he was, he was just going to whine and complain about everything. Now, here's a fun just a fun little tidbit. And this is something that you would only know if you were at the Tank in 2000 Take into account the time of uh, just where we were in life. And in 2000, uh, you know, I think when that playoff series had started, Windows 2000 didn't exist yet. It hadn't been released. You know, the internet was in its infancy. And there were a few areas around Shark Tank. Where there was these, you know, for those of you who remember like dot matrix paper, (laughs) you'd have to fit it on the teeth and it would just be this long, you know, this huge box where it would just come out seesaw and you would print these, you know, ridiculously long posters. Well, a few people decided Mm -hmm. to take it upon themselves and we're talking, you know, I don't know, 20 feet of ream paper and all it said was big Whiny defenseman.com. That's all it said. (laughs) I think it's a big thing. Big whiny defenseman.com. And that in because it was the Silicon Valley and because the internet was in its infancy, that became a little bit of a rallying cry. Like anytime there was a, a something that went against the blues and Chris Pronger's out there beating his drum. Oh, big whiny and, and what, and fun fact, if you log on to that website today, big it takes you right to Teal town USA. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Get in there. You gotta spell it correctly. B I G W H I N Y defenseman.com. You can write to our website.
1: My goodness!
0: Uh, yes. So, um I think you know. To me, the the yeah, there was two key aspects to this. Uh, when Bergevan threw a, threw the puck into his own end in game two, uh, I look and I go, eh, you know, hey, it's a fluke, it's a mind fart, stuff like that. Maybe he's a little tense. Things like that can happen. I you know, I still was just kind of like you know, hey guys, l- you know, let's just be kind of excited that hey the the you know the sharks are starting to. uh Put it together. They're, they're going to face harder teams, but this is just going to make them better. Man throws it in and it's just kind of like everybody's like, Oh, and I went, eh, let it go. They're giving us one. Just, you know, take it in stride. But when Nolan hit that, hit that hole in game seven with like seconds left in the second, that's, that's when I knew I was like, Oh, w- w- it's over. It's a, like, just start packing it up. We're Turks lost it. He, it's, it's, you lose something like that and the game means this much uh yeah no and so the sharks are sharks are advancing
3: and, and, and that's and that's the funny uh, thing is that game one the blues won game one they were already up one nothing in game two uh, early in the first period when Van threw the puck in on honestly i hate to say it but that was kind of a game changer or a series changer
0: it was but the, you know what the best part of that was was just listening to the call oh yes because no one's the puck it. it's in the yeah, net yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god i think he threw it in there <laughs> yeah no
1: i and again you want to talk about uh me being at games i was at game two and <laughs> I remember. uh oh. Yep. Oh, and i remember I re- I because again we, we were sitting close enough to where i i just for some reason i was one of the few people in the, <laughs> the arena that noticed it because at first everyone's going
0: what the hell happened? Then we saw the there's, red there's goal light 18, go on. 18,000 people are going, where'd the puck go? I, I saw <laughs> it. they
1: motherfucker. <laughs> I saw him grab the puck and throw it in. And my my dad looks up at me and he's going, what happened? And I go, he threw the fucking puck in the net. And, and like three people around me go, no, he didn't. I'm like, yes, he did. And then the goal light goes on. They don't show the replay. And like oh, you said, you right. said that, oh. yeah, they wouldn't show it on, on the big screen. And, uh, um, like you said, it, there was no real internet at the time. So people are getting text messages, you know, while we're in there. Oh my God, Bergman threw the puck in the net. And people all around going, Oh my God, Bergman, cart his ass out of here. You know, like, people lost their minds when that happened so yeah it was <laughs> go it make was him rough. a general
0: manager God damn it. <laughs> go make a general <laughs> manager trade away defensive prospects
3: <laughs> and, and you know what's funny i'm looking at the youtube page for it for the video and one of the comments says, second dumbest move of his career the first being Ooh. trading a
0: ban <laughs> <laughs> oh it's good stuff oh, i love you internet the- so these yeah. these
1: two teams, uh, they rematch again in 2001. Blues uh, had bulked up a little bit. They they realized they had gotten kind of, again, the word I'm using is maybe not the right one, but bullied a little bit by the Sharks, and uh, they came out. And uh, the thing that I wanted to mention about this series real quick, and I, I mentioned it in our talking notes here. I'm not sure if you guys remember the moment. I tried to find video of it. I, I couldn't. But uh, game one, uh, Scott Mullenby, one of the new guys on the team, he came comes out. And uh, uh, Gary Suter, who was a, a good defenseman, a good tough guy defenseman for the Sharks. Opening minutes, he kind of sets the tone, runs his head into the boards. I mean, just obliterates him into the boards. And uh, I put it in the notes. I'm not sure I, I should have double-checked my, my stats here. But I believe we didn't see Suter again the rest of the series. And the Blues go on and win that uh, in six games of course or I'm sorry, seven games. Uh, no, it was six games.
3: Six
0: think, games. Yeah,
1: Salvador's OT goal was in game five. Right.
0: Yeah let's, yeah, let's not get too excited about that. I mean, like, you know, when, when Gary Suter <laughs> was carded off, he was literally filing for Social Security at that point.
3: <laughs> yeah, he, he was on the verge of retirement there. And, and of course, the, what the eventual uh, rookie of the year, Evgeny Nabokov, was playing through, what was it, AJ's injury and sickness?
0: Uh, pff, uh something, uh, but
3: but game five, Mika Kiprusoff was the goaltender that allowed Bryce Salvador's OT goal. Yeah,
0: well, see, and the, this is the interesting thing about the 2001 rematch because, like, as as you had mentioned, the Blues got kind of bullied in 2000. The funny thing is, at least on paper, at least to me you can make the argument that the 2001 sharks were actually more talented. I mean, all of a sudden you have team solani yeah. You have the you, you know, you you have the Richie Thornton Sundstrom line all of a sudden clicking as the third line. You have nabokov as Eric mentioned instead of Steve Shields, who I was never a fan of, and then maybe you also have a Roman Turek who is insanely pissed off because he remembered what happened 12 months earlier. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you know that's that's the thing that really gets to me is that to me the sharks on paper they're a more uh, a talented team. But They just I, I, I honestly I think you know you you can't underestimate a team who has a good memory. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's mm-hmm. true. The whole city. I mean, I remember when the when the, it was slated. I, I think it was kind of early on. It was okay. Yeah, the Blues are going to play the Sharks again. Like you could kind of tell. With a couple games left in the season. I remember people just saying, you know, there's there's half of us, which I was on the half of, of positivity, of saying, Bring it on. Let's let's do this again. Let's beat them this time. And you had the other half saying, Oh God, here we go again. You know, <laughs> blues blues bulk up, blues get better, and they're they're just gonna lose to the sharks again. And I think a lot of people saw that especially um when there was a split through four games. Uh because the blues won game one and then lost game two, and that was kind of the same mo we saw the series before the uh, year before and and a lot of people were saying oh boy same thing now they're gonna go to san jose and lose too so um it was definitely uh it was a, it turned out to be a quite a different series but yeah there was a lot of people in st louis that were worried but um there was also a lot of us that were excited and saying yeah let's let's do it because we hate san jose now like all of a sudden <laughs> san jose is who we want to beat so it was right. it, it made it a lot more fun for sure
0: that You know, and that's kind of the thing that bums me out today or over the last couple of years with this whole, uh with the new realignment and playoff picture. You no, know? yeah, I don't like having to be in our division for the first two rounds. I don't either. I'm with yeah. you. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of it. I, th- I go back and I think about how many fun series there were against St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado, Detroit. Yeah. You know? There's... Yep. It, so, and it makes for. Great... I, I'm
1: the same way. I the, the Kings, the Blues had a, a just recently had a a long stint playing the Kings in the playoffs, and those yeah, the Blues lost all of them, but they were exciting series. They were always fun to watch. So, but you're not going to get that now unless you go to the third round.
3: And whatever. it makes for great rivalries that are not in your division. I mean, I think just with the 2019 playoff uh, matchup, I think. The Sharks have played the Blues the most out of anybody else that they 've ever played in the playoffs now
2: yeah
1: it, it's Blues, funny I was talking, to, I mean, I was talking yeah. to the uh, the avalanche uh, one of the avalanche guys for this series and that i 'm doing and, and uh i was I even mentioned i 'm like oh man i'm like I, I was doing the research for this, and Blues and Avalanche have met one time in the playoffs you know and <laughs> Well, it's because the, the avalanche
0: were spending all of their playoffs playing Dallas and Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And San Jose, you know, we, we, I mean, shit, we're at what? One, two, three, four, five, six meetings now between these two teams. I mean, that's,
0: that's a lot. And, you know, it'd be interesting to go back to those matchups to 2012 and before those first four and, try to align it with today's you know keep it in-house type of thing would the san jose sharks and st louis blues meet up at any you know would both of them get to the western conference finals because that's the only way they would have met back then chances are probably not so yeah i'm, yeah. I'm definitely a fan of like yeah let's get back to one through eight This like i get the whole idea of trying to create false rivalries if you will i mean look they're in your division. They're already rivals. You don't need to pile on with the playoffs. I I just, the only thing to me that I look at it is a positive. It's like, well, okay, I guess maybe it keeps it in your time zone. Maybe it lessens travel a little bit. But I'm telling you, it was kind of fun going, you know, look, I've seen the Sharks play LA five times this year, Anaheim four times this year. But you know, those two games against Colorado, god damn, those are good games. I'd love to see a seven round matchup between us and Colorado. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I mean, even uh even this year, looking at, at Blues and Sharks, the way they played each other in the regular season, it was man, I hope these two teams beat in the playoffs. And and luckily right? they did. But yeah, I I mean I I love it. I'm all for it. And I mean again, I I I loved hating the Sharks. I mean ever since uh, uh Joe Thornton joined the team and and blues fans are going to hate me saying this one of my favorite players of all time so it it the sharks have kind of they've they've slowly moved into a uh, a team that I enjoy watching and and enjoy rooting for when they're not playing the blues and I'm not just saying that cuz you guys are on um but yeah Oh I, shit no uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but no early 2000s I hated the sharks <laughs> I hated them so yeah. much and just thinking about if that, that those teams like couldn't have met if we had the division uh, playoffs like we have now. That would suck because man, I I I grew to, to truly hate the Sharks. And every time, and yes, as a kid, when the Blues played the Sharks in the regular season, I circled it on my calendar and I said, don't schedule anything that night because I want to watch that game.
0: I I hated the Blues only because of Chris Pronger. Once he went to Edmonton, then I <laughs> then I hated the Oilers. Right. I did had I had no problem with the Blues after that. Right. I just hated Pronger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> so I want to talk to you guys about the uh, the 2004 first round meeting. Now at this point, and this is something uh Blues fans have have talked about over the years. This was right before the lockout. Uh Blues were kind of starting to sputter a little bit. Um really kind of squeaked into the playoffs. So uh the Sharks kind of made easy work of the Blues. They end the series in 5 games um but the big more uh point in in this one and it was funny cuz I actually forgot about this until Eric brought it up uh before we started ta- uh, recording our talk here uh Mike Danton was actually arrested in the San Jose airport when that game ended in game 5 so they were getting ready to come home he gets arrested and of course that was uh the beginning of the Mike Danton um, uh David Frost fiasco that many uh Blues fans know of and, and have heard about. And, and again, if for those that, that maybe not, not know what I'm talking about, uh, you should go back in the archives of Let's Go Blues Radio, look up my interview with, uh, Andy Strickland from last summer, uh, cause Andy was very involved in that. So, uh, Andy actually, uh, kind of went into depth about the Mike Danton situation. So that's a fun one, uh, to check out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a crazy turn of events. Not only is your team losing, but you're losing one of your players. Uh, getting arrested in the airport on the way home.
0: Do you imagine it? if that had happened in this, like in the last couple of years during the, what I guess we would all refer to as the social media era. Could you imagine like Twitter yeah. would have been, would have just fucking shut down.
3: And it's... the controversy, which I, I, how would, how would a team, if this happened during a series, how would a team be able to focus on everything?
1: i I don't know. I mean, I, I look at like uh blues GM, uh, Larry Plo, you know, what's he thinking? Well, I mean, I know you got the, the the impending lockout, but you're thinking, he's thinking
0: thinking that he's happy that it wasn't him. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: (laughs) I'm not his target. Right. I didn't didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's, it's such an odd situation. And, and obviously, you know, in other sports, we see these, we see guys get arrested and, uh, you know, get charged with certain things, but I mean, this was such a unique situation that it was, whoa! You know, this guy's got some demons.
0: It almost makes you wonder if sometimes when stuff happens with hockey guys, if it almost gets magnified because it's so far and few between. You know what I yeah,
1: mean? I think so. Yeah that that's something I think uh, Andy had mentioned that uh, you know you just don't see this kind of thing in hockey, and um, seeing it you know happen not only to uh, to a hockey player, but to a St. Louis blue, which there never been any legal issues with the blues. The closest thing uh, before that time that, that you could think of was, and um, oh, no, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Kevin Stevens uh, with the, with the penguins getting arrested on the East side here after a, a penguins and blues game because of uh let's just say possession. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Eric, Eric, let me, let me ask you this. Cause you, again, you're the one that has an amazing recall. Who who did Pronger play for at the time when he like stomped on the back of somebody's leg?
3: Oh, he was a duck uh, when they played the Red Wings. And I think it was the oh, final right. in 09. Yeah, that sounds right. right.
0: Yeah, that figures. But, you know, <laughs> and, and like not to diminish this uh, first round meeting in 04, but no, you you look at you ask most Sharks fans about that, about 04 and all they sit there is. They just sit there and lament losing to their former coach and their former goalie in the, you know, conference final. Yeah.
3: Uh, and it started out nicely, an OT winner from Nico Dimitrakos beating, and here's the great part about it, AJ, beating Chris Osgood one more time it doesn't get old. <laughs> it's true.
1: Got old for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will then, say, then, looking back and – Looking back at the Eric, at the uh chris osgood days yes that's uh, that was something blues fans usually enjoyed too uh one of my favorite and i mentioned this on the uh, Islanders show that I did uh for for this series uh one of my favorite moments in blues history uh in terms of uh, the internet was uh, again the early days of of the internet when uh, there was a message board on on the blues main uh newspaper and uh when the trade was announced that uh chris osgood was brought to St. Louis. Um, there was like five threads that started right away.
0: No, not
1: Osgood. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. No, I,
0: I I kind of felt the same way when the Sharks procured Mike Vernon. It was just kind of like, really? Wasn't he like almost supplanted by Osgood? Like, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, see. But I, again, I go back to that. There was that weird vibe there with the Sharks front office for a while. It's like, no, we're not going to procure anybody who has not previously won a Stanley cup. Okay. Sure.
1: That's obnoxious.
0: (laughs) That was annoying.
1: Uh, So again, uh, I'm going to take a little break here from playoffs and talk about uh, another big moment between these two teams. And uh, I want to ask this question Uh, back on November 4th, 2010, the question is, of course, was it dirty? And for those that uh, might not know what we're talking about, this was Joe Thornton's big hit on David Perron. Uh, Thornton steps out of the penalty box. Perron uh, receives a pass, I believe it was from Carlo Coliacomo, um, and then uh, it kind of stepped right into Thornton. Uh, Perron misses over a year. Uh, 97 games lost with a concussion. Doesn't come back until uh, basically almost two seasons, well, about a season and a half, whatever that would be, 97 games. Um, so the question is, was it dirty? And I know that that I asked that question, and you guys are probably looking at it as, okay, Jeff's going to argue that it was uh, that it was not dirty, or that it was dirty, and we have to argue that it was not. That's not the case, guys. Um, again, Blues fans will hate me for saying this, and it's not just because I liked Joe or I liked Joe Thornton. Uh, but uh, this was a hit that I have long since said. Uh, especially at the time, because you consider the time frame, hits to the head, literally that season was the first year that the NHL said, okay, hits to the head, we're going to start suspending. So this was basically a new rule that they had implemented that hits to the head were now going to be enforced, that they're going to be suspended no matter what. We're going to review every single one of them. This was a a newer type rule. Uh, Thornton's hit on Perron. You look at Scott Stevens' hits. You look at uh, any hits from the early to mid-90s, even the late 90s and early 2000s, yep. that's a hit you see all the time, and it was applauded. Um, I thought this was, personally, I look at that play, and this this is where I've always pointed fault. Again, I'm not sure if it was the defenseman. I don't want to call him out by name. If it was Koliakovo, if it wasn't, I, I apologize to you, Carlo. But um, that was a suicide pass, and that put Peron in a bad situation with a big man in Joe Thornton coming right at him. Um, I fault the fenceman. Now, I will say uh, Thornton did have some comments afterwards that were kind of annoying. You know, he came out and said, well, he came out and scored a goal right after that. Well, yeah, but that's not really how concussions work. So, um, that was the only thing, issue I took with Thornton on it. But in terms of the hit, I mean, yes, it was dirty by today's standards, but uh, I, I gotta say, I, I don't really fully fault Thornton like Blues fans do.
0: Oh my god, dude, we are so on the opposite side of the spectrum. Really? Uh, yeah, cuz if you sit there and say in, in 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 2010 when that happened, was that dirty? If I was in 2010, I'd go, "Oh my god, holy shit, Thornton, what are you doing, dude? That is such a dirty hit." Ah. And to me, it's like, yeah, that's a dirty hit. Then but if you ask me in 2019, is that a dirty hit? Well, based on the three rounds of 2019 oh, playoff yeah. hockey that I've seen, no, not oh, at all. I mean, Justin hit. Braun. Yeah, Justin Braun took two headshots, Tomash Hurdle took a headshot. Uh all all of them very similar. Not only were were they not called penalties in the moment, they weren't even looked at by Department of Player Safety after the fact. Yeah. So I, I look at that. And 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 just go no. But the whole thing that's really jacked up about that, how different really is that hit from the Thor- the the hit that Thornton put on uh what what was the cat's name in Vegas Uh, for Oh
3: um, no sick, it's, it's, oh, it,
0: That's right Nosik Yeah it it really wasn't that much of a difference from the hit that he put on Nosik and you know the it, so to see that I just I I get a, did Thornton get hit uh, any type of supplemental discipline i want to, to say he Ed got on one front? or
3: two games he yeah. got two games i believe yeah
0: okay but two okay so two games in the regular season is what like f- a five minute shift in the playoffs uh-huh. so the, you know so for thornton to get a, a, a game in the playoffs for the hit on nosic when it was so very similar to Prawn, yeah i kind of stick where i'm going where it's just kind of was it dirty then 2010 yeah to me it was but based on today's unfortunate standards. I don't know that I would call it a, a, a dirty play because clearly the NHL isn't.
1: Hmm. You're right. We are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Yeah. yeah. I just, break, break I us just up did, on
0: this. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, we, we could argue that, but I, I feel like there's, there's things coming up that we're going to, re- we would rather argue about. Sure. So,
0: uh, <laughs> right. But, I mean, but you, you oh, get what I'm right. saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do hear you. I hear you. Uh yeah, well, I mean, you want a tissue first of all?
0: Uh well, oh, <laughs> wait a minute, hold on. Well, well we're getting to 2012, be, so maybe. About, I was going to say we're about to talk about Marty Havlat, talk about made of tissue.
1: Oh, no <laughs> kidding. Good lord. Yeah, 2012 first round meeting Blues defeat the Sharks in 6. This was the Blues uh second appearance in the playoffs since uh the lockout in 05, 0405. Uh so we you mentioned Marty Havlat scores a big uh Double overtime winner in game one. I remember that game because that was my first playoff game in the media and that was an 8.30 start for us here in St. Louis. And, um, oh, God. yeah, that was wonderful going to two overtime and then having to work at 7.30 the next morning. Ooh. Great stuff. Thank you, NHL. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, no, that was, um, that was an interesting series. I mean, uh, I want to talk about the game two brawl. That's the don't open the pollock door. I want to know what your guys' thoughts were about, uh, that whole brawl and that whole incident and uh, comments from your head coach at the time. But uh, that series was fun. And, and this was kind of in the middle of when the sharks were, uh, I, at least in my book uh, expected to, to you know, every year seemed like they were a team that was supposed to go to the Stanley cup final from the West and, and just another year where there was a little bit more, uh, I guess, salt in the wound for sharks fans. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what do you guys remember of this series? And, and did you think that, uh, this was going to be a favorable series for the Sharks going into it.
3: This was a series where it, where the roles were reversed from 2004. I thought the Sharks were kind of starting to be on a little bit of a decline a little bit and, and yeah, okay. Marty Havlett scores a double OT winner. We're feeling good about ourselves, but my goodness, I mean, the, the, the Sharks just couldn't get anything going with the blues in that series. Um, but that, I mean, Vlasic has an own goal in that in like what was it, game two, uh, and then it sets up. You know, oh, we're going to try to send messages now. Yeah, okay. It, as as we're just getting pummeled, you know, by Roman Polak of all people. It, it was just, it was just a, it was just the the really nasty, disgusting taste in in our mouths for 2012.
0: I'm just, I'm never going to be a guy that supports that whole thing of, well, after a game or after two games or whatever it is uh, that, okay, to start off this whole series, this is going to be a long series, boys. And you're going to sit there and go, okay, well, we got our skates fed to us a six to one loss or a seven, nothing loss or whatever. Even if there's some sort of embarrassment, I mean, the sharks were shut out, what, three times? during these playoff series, uh, for 2019, they still played and, and responded well. Most of the time, I've never been a fan of the whole thing of, you know what, let's kick the crap out of them because they beat us on the scoreboard. So let's just pummel them into a book. Like, what does that really prove? It, it really doesn't. It, all it does is it proves that you're a bad sport. And you know, like, and like your eye—if anything, it tells the opposing team, "Wow, their eye is just like we—we we have these guys because they're focused on this and not on the what's most important." Yeah, so, I see that. Yeah, when I see that 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 crap at the end of it, where people start, you know, throwing the gloves when the game is well in hand, it's like, come on, like, you know, I could. There were there were times, especially during the Owen Nolan-led sharks of course also manned behind the bench from daryl sutter that the sharks were a heavy team whether it was uh mike Ricci or scott parker or owen nolan it was one of those things where you know what there might be times where you beat the sharks four to three or five to three or something like that the thing was you knew that you had to then go on to whether it was southern california and play the ducks or the kings whether it was to go Fly to Vancouver, fly to Colorado, whatever you felt that plane ride because even if you didn't beat the sharks, you paid a price in that game because the sharks played a very heavy game at that time, not unlike you know the early twenty uh the twenty teens for uh the l a kings you know 2012, 2013, 14. thirteen fourteen l a played a very heavy game you felt that game into the next one, so when I see that type of crap if, if you know Regular season is one thing. Make the but when it's when the games at hand, really. What do you you know? You now the whole sending messages things. Get out of town. You want to send a message? Win the game.
1: Yeah, I want to. I've always said though I want to see that. Like if you do that, puck drops and you start beating the shit out of the other team. I'd rather see that than at the end of the game when you're getting blown exactly.
0: Out. Yeah, do know, you, I don't know if you remember the there was a uh, Eric. What was the series? that like from the puck drop, was that the year that the, the Sharks won the president's trophy? And from the puck drop, Thornton's like yep. launching 2000... his head into Getzlav saying, Let, let's go. Yeah, game
3: six, 2009, the Sharks it survived elimination in overtime from game five. And getzlav and Thornton go at it right off the get-go.
0: And, I, I really uh, respect that. that. But I think that was also predicated a little bit because, like, the Sharks had won the President's Trophy and they should not have been in that position. They should, shouldn't have gone that far, to be honest.
3: hey, Heck, that year that we, we, we traded for two players off of that Ducks team and and we ended up losing in
0: six. <laughs> <That's my God. laughs> Great. Okay, anyway, back to 2012. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we checked the boxes on uh, all the, the past playoff series. I think people are wanting to more hear about the 2016 and 2019 playoffs. I think you guys would agree with that um let's let's uh, let's let you guys be happy first let's talk about the 2016 <laughs> playoffs <laughs> and then i'll depress you guys so you can go to bed tonight oh. um <laughs> so the 2016 western final um again i i this you know i put this in the notes and and i know that it was a six game series but i thought this was a series that the sharks really made the blues look almost like they didn't belong in the western final now um, some of the notes that I added here, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was having a good playoff before that. This was the year a lot of people point to and said, well, you had a kid and once he had the kid, he stopped playing hockey. Okay, whatever. Uh, but really the, the, the truth here is, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, uh, just completely shut him down. Uh, through the first 17 periods of the series, Tarasenko had zero points. He did score two goals in the final period, but that point, the game was kind of out of reach. Sharks had already kind of taken advantage of the Blues there. But, yeah, for the most part, Sanko completely shut down in that series. Brian Elliott, who, again, was also having an unbelievable playoff. Uh, he starts to look human. Jake Allen starts seeing time and net. Um, this was uh, just, to me, again, just utter domination from the Sharks. Uh, the other note I put in here, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Joe Thornton, Brett Burns, and Tomasz Hurdle. Uh, who are all big names there for the Sharks, you know, kind of your biggest players. They combined for 33 points in the series and uh, 10 of San Jose's 22 goals in the series. I think Thornton didn't even score one of those. He just had seven assists. Um, so really, the Sharks just up and down the ice, I thought, looked like the better team for the most part of the series. Um, would you guys agree with that, or do you think it was maybe it's just the, the you know, the, the rose-tinted glasses of, of being a Blues fan? saying that they did not look like they belonged in that series.
0: No, I'm I'm no, I'm right there with you and the reason why I say that is because if you think about it going into that playoffs, uh the sharks still at least in my mind had not gotten over being reverse swept by the kings a couple of years earlier. Oh yeah. And and so I think that really was kind of like in their frontal cortex. And then once they got past the Kings in the first round and not only got past them decisively, kind of like got that ghost off their back or monkey off their back, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And that kind of propelled them, I think, into the next round, which if you go back and look versus Nashville Predators, should have been over earlier than it was. Uh, Essentially, Joe Pavelski gets a goal taken away from him, that series against Nashville should have ended in five or six ended ends up going seven. And I think between getting the the LA monkey off the back uh, and then having to deal with the, you know, that, that silly Pavelski goal being weighed off. I, th- I think it just kind of propelled them to the next round where they were just kind of like, I don't care who we see after this, we're getting all the way there. And, and again, like you said, I think a large part of it was the defense really showed up in the parts of uh, Burns and Vlasic. And Vlasic, up until this last playoff, this well, actually, this last season as a whole, Vlasic has always seemed to have gotten better and better. He's insanely underrated. Uh, you yes. look at like Team Canada, he's always one of the first games to be named because Yeah, he doesn't put up the offensive numbers, but you know how you judge Vlasic? You go and you look at games where people, where you see names like Crosby or Ovechkin or McDavid. I mean, you know, put superstar name here. And then you look at the game that they had against the Sharks, you'll see that on that particular game, no goals, no assists, One shot on goal, you know, they have a very small stat line because they were faced against Vlasic the entire game. And I don't think that Vlasic gets near the credit or, you know, who who knows if he played in, you know, if he played for the Rangers or somebody on the East coast where you'd get a little or Chicago or something, maybe he'd get uh, a little more accolades. Uh, But yeah, he's insanely underrated. And again, you judge him by what the top line or the top offensive guys do on the other team. And when they're putting up donuts, you can attribute that to Mark Edward Vlasic. But to get back to your point, yeah, I think the first two series, it was the first series was get these guys off our back. Then the second series was it should not have gone on this long. We are pissed off. Yep. And so nobody, nobody was going to get in their way in the third round.
1: And
3: for that, I,
1: Matt, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I looked at that series, and I know the Blues took game one, but um, if you go back and watch that game, I thought the Sharks really, uh, really played better than the Blues in that game. I thought, again, Brian Elliott came up big in that game. Um, I remember that well because I remember saying, holy shit, the Sharks should have won this game. And then mm-hmm. the Sharks go on to win the next three games, and you say, well, shit, they should have swept the Blues. So really... For me, it was uh, you know I look at that and I say that's a series that probably shouldn't have went as long as it did.
3: And for that matter, I mean, you took advantage. The Sharks took advantage uh, of a tired team too. I mean, St. Louis went with a crazy seven game series against Chicago, and then then annihilated Dallas after that. Yeah, you annihilated Dallas in Game Seven. We're like, I, I think AJ and I were like looking, okay, maybe we do need to worry about this team. Uh, but I thought there was a little bit of tiredness. And yeah, classic anybody,
0: anybody who beats Dallas, I'm not that worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I've been worried about anybody who beats Dallas for like 20 years, but go ahead. But I mean, it, but at the same time, the, you
3: know, the blues had gone through 14 tough playoff games uh, against two bitter rivals. And, and yeah, I think it was just, the recipe in the making for the Sharks. And, although I think they still had to get over the hurdle in game five. When, uh, but then when Pavelski had that tip shot in the third period that won them game five, uh, I think coming home for game six, I mean, it was just insane. And, uh, you know, it was that night. I mean, May 25th, 2016, will always have a special night uh for me and and for our show i think that was one of our longest shows i think we went what four hours aj
0: we're, we're not still on air from that yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> right <laughs> no that's uh that's funny you say that because that's kind of how we felt the year the uh the night the blues made the
0: uh the final this year and um not to nobody again, wanted to hit the kill button on the podcast right
1: no, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what it was. We we didn't even, we didn't go on that night. We went on the next day and um, it was just kind of like, oh my God, like we were just so overjoyed and, and it was just, you know, talking about all these, how we all felt and, you know, the the great moments that, that you know, we've had to put up with along with the terrible moments in this Blues history and, and finally getting to the Stanley Cup final for the first time in 49 years. Um, I remember just. <laughs> feeling feeling elated you know like I, I don't want this show to end because i want to keep talking and because i i feel like the minute because you know because the, in the back of your mind and maybe you guys felt the same way going into the stanley cup final you're thinking i don't want the final to get here almost because if they lose then do i lose this feeling you know is this feeling is cool if they lose you know so it's, oh, and
0: and who knows when you, it's ever going to happen again yeah right so did yeah. did
1: you feel that same way? I mean, let me ask you that, because you guys, uh, again, you, you beat the Blues in 2016. You go on to the Stanley Cup final. I think it was already determined, right, that it was Pittsburgh you were going to face?
3: No. It uh, hadn't been determined yet? Okay.
0: No. For Tampa, me, it was, but okay.
3: Yeah, Tampa, <laughs> Tampa had uh, a chance to close it out in six and lost, and the next night we, we won, like I played for the team. The Sharks won in game six, and then the next night was game seven between tampa and pittsburgh because we didn't know oh, we were that's right. having we didn't know if we were getting home ice or not uh yes. because tampa had gone if one we would we would start the final here and then if not then it was going to pittsburgh and in all the nbc and pittsburgh announcers were going to be uh, on there
0: yeah that's true no i remember um honestly you know it's like okay <laughs> again we talked about the amount of success that the sharks have had over the last 15 years and it's just kind of like you know call me jaded if you will but you, the sharks have seen and i'm sure st louis has been the same way it's like oh we've seen a lot of first round playoffs we've seen some second round playoffs we've seen, seen occasional third round playoffs so it, you know in like I talked about with the local sports uh talk radio here and even just media at large. It's kind of like Sharks are insanely ignored during the regular season. Then when the playoffs start, it literally the coverage is so NHL playoffs have started. Um yeah, the Sharks are in it. And uh you know what? Oh my god, did you see that Stephen Curry got a new set of shoelaces? You're holy trying. crap and yeah so that's kind of like the way things are here and then they get to the third round of this, and it almost comes off a little sarcastically to be honest with you it's like yeah. you know hey sharks fans did you know you're in the third round you know i mean <laughs> oh my god it's so just dripping with sarcasm so when it finally got to the case of holy crap you know the sharks have finally in their and i think it, it maybe there was a little bit of added sweetener that it happened to be the 25th anniversary season that they made it. So there was already kind of this, a little bit of a tie in vibe. And the reason why I say that is because like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the, the Sharks played their first two seasons, San Francisco came to San Jose for their third season in 93, 94. And that was the year what it was like the most ridiculous turnaround in the history of NHL after like going eight, a billion and one in their second season that they flipped it. They snuck in eighth car, you know, or, uh, you know, eighth seed defeating a heavily favored, basically a lot of a, a Detroit red wing team that a lot of people had actually picked to win the cup that year and yep. ended up beating Detroit in seven. And I'll tell you during that whole thing that leading up to it it was literally like in the last week that the Sharks snuck in and, and you could not walk five feet in downtown San Jose without seeing just swashes of teal everywhere. Just people walking down the street, everybody rocking teal. And unfortunately it's, it's not like that. Even when the sharks are playing in the Stanley cup final, there was still, it still wasn't the same kind of vibe. Cause like I said, you know, it's been 25 years. We're a little bit jaded, but I think having those heritage jerseys make a comeback, you, you felt a little twinge, of that kind of magic a little bit uh but boy i'll tell you when i went down to sap and i saw that massive stanley cup final banner hanging down the side of the building it was like and you see the nbc truck sitting out on autumn street next to the building and in the park and you just go i can't believe this is real yeah, like you know this could be the, the like the and and let's be honest. You sit there and you go, you know what Pittsburgh? You've had enough fucking success. Give us one, you right. know what I mean? That's so we call I, about Boston, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. exactly that. And I and I got to be honest. It's like as pissed off as I was about the you know the blues knocking out the sharks i was just kind of like god damn i gotta root for these assholes i cannot bring myself <laughs> to root for the fucking bruins i just can't do it No, well, in in just the way that nbc introduced
3: game one it's like and boston hasn't had a championship parade in like 104 days it's oh, like fuck oh, you like, oh the <laughs> way the blues are playing it's like man i i was like if I were a Blues fan, I'd be pissed off, like crazy. Oh, we right. were. Yeah,
1: there. I mean, that was that was the the constant discussion, and and uh, you know, kind of bringing in a little, I guess, here to the the Sharks in the West Final in 2019. Um, everyone was, you know, all of NBC was, you know, and, and and there was a lot. And and again, I mean, I again, I like Joe Thornton, but um, the win it for Joe kind of kind of took over a lot of hockey fans. And oh, yeah. For us, you know, and I get that, you know, I get it. But for us, I don't know if you got how familiar you guys are with Bobby Plager here in St. Louis, but Bobby has been, he is an original blue. He came on game of this team in 1967. He played for this team. He's a captain for this team. He's coached. He's scouted. He's done the broadcasting. He's been involved in almost every facet of the organization to this day since 1967. And, The fact that, and his number's retired here. I mean, he's a big deal in St. Louis. He was never mentioned, even in the Stanley Cup Final. And I'm thinking, that's your story. And we talked about it on this show. There's your story, guys. You know, like, yes, win it for Joe, because, you know, he's one of the longest tenured players. He's going to be a Hall of Famer who hasn't won the Cup. But Bobby Plager is a lifetime St. Louis blue. I mean, if there is any guy that, that, that you'd say, okay, we want one guy to represent the St. Louis Blues. Um, it would be it would be Bobby Plager. A lot of people would make jokes and be drunk Brett Hall, but it would be <laughs> it would be Bobby Plager. And and even, even like God. and even we were talking about um uh the uh the the cup when they were uh, doing the cup uh, celebration after winning in Boston, they were talking. You know, uh, Doug Armstrong lifts it. Oh, you know Doug Armstrong, the the architect of the team, and oh Craig Berube hired in January, and then it gets handed off to uh, to Bobby Plager. They don't even mention him, and like the the players are going nuts because it's like Bobby finally gets to hold the Stanley Cup. You know he, he had waited so long, and he never got a mention nationally ever. And it's like, how are you missing this story? Like, how do you not see this?
0: Uh, well, you know, I mean, we're talking about NBC. They're, they've proven time and time again that they're tone deaf, and and you know, oh, it's the just the broadcast is it's all secondary. You know, it's one of the things that has driven us crazy ever since that they've started the like one of my favorite, you know, a couple of my favorite stories about NBC. First off, of course, is the fact that they almost never can get a <laughs> double a double header off in time. You know, that, That's like, true. it's see, you know, it, I don't know how many times and I shit you not. If you go back and look, I swear it's borne out by the evidence. It's just kind of like, oh, there's a game. Oh, let me see. The Sharks are playing the second half or, you know, the second game of a doubleheader on NBC. Okay. That almost uh, like I want to bet in Vegas right now, the early game goes to overtime because it just happened yep. so many times. Or shootout, and, yeah, yeah, or something like that, where it's just like we're going to try to take as much time as we possibly can. And I remember specifically uh, watching a uh, you know a doubleheader night, and I'm like going, "Oh my god!" They're showing you know whatever it was, like Florida versus Chicago, and and I'm going, "Oh my god!" Can we get on to the next game? And because it like went to overtime, it went to shootout, blah blah blah. And by the time they had, like, actually kicked the broadcast over to the Sharks game, the Sharks were already up 3-0. <laughs> you know, like, they had scored three goals in the first six minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and it, like, that type of thing, you just go, well, okay, maybe you can sit there and pace it off as, like, well, you know... The first game, it was, tight. you know, it was, it was a tight game. You know, it was two, two, it had to go into overtime, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I guess I can forgive you that. But when sometimes, whatever the, the reason, maybe there's a lot of penalties or some shit, but when you see a game that it's, it's six to one and there's three minutes left and you're already inching over into the next game, it's like, just cut over, you know? Yeah. The, I hear you. you know what I mean? Like the Canadians are not putting up four goals in the next four minutes. Come on, let it go.
1: No, that or, was uh, one game that I remember in particular, uh, was uh Vegas Golden Knights. Their um the the first it was their first home game, and you know, it was right after the uh the, the horrific shooting in Vegas, yes. and there was gonna be a huge ceremony. Obviously, with it being the first game, they're gonna have a huge ceremony anyway, but you know, you think, okay, this is, this is momentous. Like I want to make sure I see this and NBC's broadcasting it, but Hey, it's the second part of a double header. And it's like, Oh, of course it is. And the first game, it was a nothing game. It was the Blackhawks and I don't remember. It was Detroit. somebody like it wasn't even Detroit. It was like <laughs> Columbus and the, the Blackhawks had like a four, one lead with like 10 minutes left. And And I remember just thinking like, okay, it's, this will start, you know, it's supposed to start at 9.30. At this point, it's 9.30. So I'm thinking, oh my God, are they just gonna, so they actually, luckily, Vegas said, I I guess maybe NBC asked them, just, can you wait until the game's over? So that way, then you can do your ceremony. And so I guess Vegas said, okay, we'll just push the game back a half hour. And so the game didn't start for another half hour, but it's like, you didn't have to do that nobody cares about this blackhawks game that will
0: fucking switch over Well, that and that see that's my thing when it comes to these broadcasts Is i sit there and go you know what you, you've built up this whole wednesday night rivalry thing which to me i i just get the biggest kick out of because i remember one of those nights was like minnesota versus san jose and i'm like uh that's yeah i'm like yes the amazing rivalry that exists between minnesota is still pissed off they lost brent burns i mean like really is that what we're gonna go with you know something like that you know the way that they try to hype up these false rivalries but for me it's kind of like you know what you know it's it's your quote unquote big night like you know wednesday night on nbc is like Monday night on ESPN for football. So it's like, okay, you want to hype it up? You know what? Start the first game 30 minutes early yeah, or start that too. the yeah, or start the the late game 30 minutes late. You know, do one or the other to make sure that there is no overlap or oh my god. Okay, holy shit. You know what? I just this just came to me. This is going to blow your fucking minds. I don't know if this technology exists yet, but in my mind I just thought of this idea of i what i would refer to as something called either split screen or picture in picture if we can oh, develop can that technology that,
1: that, i don't understand what that means
0: oh so here's the thing <laughs> it would actually draw a line down the middle of the screen right oh you're and crazy on, I, I know right <laughs> and on the left side you would play the continuation of that early game but then on the right side you would play what's happening in a late game. Unbelievable, right? Somebody needs to pay me for this idea.
1: Oh, my Lord.
0: I'm calling NBC right now. That's the right? greatest thing I've ever heard. This is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. It's apparently
1: rocket surgery. That's the way I yeah. see it.
0: No, I, yeah, uh, no. We, we've gone on and on about that. It's kind of like, you know, you, you look at all the efforts that they put out there to try to grow the game while they keep, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face. It's yep. like, what are you guys doing? That's
1: true. That's true. Um, yeah. You know, guys, we, we have gone on so long. Um, which I love. I mean, shit, the, the three of us could honestly probably do a six hour show. <laughs> oh,
0: all right. Come on. Five minutes. We can do the 2019 thing. Yeah. I was going to say, we're, we we're to, not going to have a lot to talk about.
1: We need to talk about 2019 because I know. So St. Louis won. All right. Good night, everybody. St. Right, Louis won. Okay. See you guys. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to mostly talk about, uh, first of all, um, as a whole in the 2019 playoffs, Martin Jones, um, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he looked so pedestrian to start the playoffs against Vegas. And, mm-hmm. and then we were even saying on our show, like, man, why couldn't we have landed San Jose? Because man, we're just, we would <laughs> light him up, you know? And, and uh then he just turns his game on, played great to end the series against uh, uh the, the golden Knights uh plays well against the avalanche and then comes in against St. Louis. And I thought at least in game one looked very good against the blues. Um, you know, what, what's the take on San, in San Jose on Martin Jones? I know that there's a lot of people who say that, you know, you need to improve in goal. But then I know there's probably some people like the Jake Allen people we have here in St. Louis who say <laughs> that uh, Martin Jones oh, wow. is elite, give him another chance. But what, what's the take on Jones in San Jose?
0: Doug Wilson has tied his fortune to him. I mean, you know, Doug Wilson, for the longest time, did not sign any contract over five years. And then all of a sudden, Burns, you want eight years? Sure, here you go. Hey, Eric Carlson, here's some eight years for you. Boom, there you go. Couture, eight, seven years? Which one? What do you want? Same thing with the Evander Kane. Uh, he he started going overboard, and he signed Joe. He signed Jones to the the six year deal, and you know, at the time, you look at it, it was like uh, Niemi was a really bad choice. And again, I go back to the whole thing of Niemi was brought in. Based on having success for half of a season and fall, letting a Stanley Cup fall into his lap because he literally had an all-star defense in front of him. Right. Uh, you know, Seabrook, Campbell, Harmelson, uh, uh, who was the other big guy? Duncan Keith. I mean, he just had a ridiculous defense. I could have won a cup that year with Chicago in 2010 as a goaltender. Yeah. And so, and that was the whole thing. It was like, let's bring in a goaltender who's won a cup before, because we're, you know, there's so much put on winning a Stanley Cup. And what happened with Niemi? Yeah, he had one pretty decent year, and he was in the Vezina mention. But the rest of the time, he would, he was known for letting in a big goal uh finally they make that deal where they tried to pry Jones out of LA didn't work so they let <laughs> LA trade Jones to Boston and then 5 seconds later Boston traded Jones to San Jose so fine but that's going to be the next guy and obviously 2015-2016 looked really good uh and I thought he played well over the last couple of years this 2018-2019 season was not great uh i don't know how many times i think it was like 32 33 games out of the 82 the sharks let in a goal in the first five minutes of a game and you know some of that yeah you can blame on jones but some of that has to be put on the defense now if you look at the early games you can sit there and go well eric carlson hasn't found his groove yet you know it's like okay stella you know go go find your groove uh but we need to figure this out and whether it was Vlasic wouldn't jive with Eric Carlson. Carlson's passes were too hot coming out of the defensive zone, whatever it was. It took a while for that to jive. But if you look at Eric Carlson, I'm sorry, you know, I look, I'm a lifelong San Jose Sharks fan. I'm I'm not a fan of this deal. Not a fan of Eric Carlson. To me, he is, excuse me. He's an offensive player playing a defensive position. And, one of the funniest things that I ever heard was uh, the guys on NHL Network on Sirius talking about. Uh, they're like, "Man, did you see that? That you know that San Jose game last night between uh, you know San Jose and, and in St. Louis?" Yeah, you know, he goes, oh, "If you are a fan of of hockey, you are just you are freaking out. If you are a fan of either team, when Eric Carlson is on the ice, you just don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, you know, sure. it's like he's he's either going to give up a hellacious goal." for his own team, or he's going to score a hellacious goal for his team. So e- either way, um, I just, Martin Jones, the first four games were horrendous against Vegas, and he wouldn't talk to the media after that. He went and hit on the bus, and then all of a sudden, for the next 10 games, dude was turning it on. I think he had like a, a 923 against and and was looking great. First game against St. Louis. All right or whatever. And then all of a sudden the numbers got really pedestrian really quickly, very similar to the first few games against Vegas. And he just you know, the sharks started coughing up early shit, giving up bad looks. You know, I'm gonna say part of that has to do with the fact that Eric Carlson was nowhere near healthy. A lot of the big names were beaten to shit. I mean, you got Joe Pavelski missing half his grill, Couture taking, you know, pucks off the boys, you know, just guys were beaten to crap. And, and now that's not an excuse for losing. I'm just saying like they weren't helping Jones out in any regard. Now, hopefully we'll see Jones uh be able to bounce back. And if not, the Sharks do have some interesting um, you know, people in the pipe, whether it's uh Shortridge, whether it's uh Cornosh, and then there's another kid who's like what, eighteen or nineteen? What's that kid's name? Like Elder oh, or El- Eldridge or something or yeah. Can't remember the kid's name. He's like 19 years old and he's setting the world on fire. So there are some people in the pipe. Now, if anybody's worried about his job, it's Aaron Dell. Um you know, if, if he's still a shark by Thanksgiving, I'll be shocked. Uh if 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 he's the backup to start the season, honestly, I'll be shocked. You know, you're talking about Cornash, who actually went to the AHL All Star game last season. Kid's ready to go. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's
1: interesting. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk uh, about the, you mentioned the injuries, the, the, the beat up sharks. I know that, um, you know, a lot of it was, uh, as you said, uh, you know, guys taking pucks and, uh, blues just kind of peppering shots toward the net and hitting some defensemen and, um, you know, causing a, a little bit of a bang ups here and there, but a lot of it was some questionable play. Uh, you mentioned the Tomas Hurl hit earlier, uh, was that, that was Ivan Barbashev, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then uh, there's been, there's a couple others I know that uh, your, your head coach, Peter DeBoer, was, uh, was a little upset about and mentioned in the post game pressure in the pressers. But uh, what do you guys think? Was there a lot of, uh, would you say that the Blues were cheap in that series? Or do you think it was just a matter of uh, the Blues just playing a physical brand of hockey that kind of set the Sharks back?
0: Uh, Let Eric take this. I'll, I'll, I'll hold, oh, I'll,
1: I, I I want Eric to take it But I, I want to hear AJ Because I, I can tell you got some anger there
3: <laughs> to blow up, So I'm going to just Precursor this There were some liberties that were taken By the Blues uh, On, oh, I'll on- fight you Eric I'm just kidding
0: <laughs> Bring it on Ponder Come on let's go uh, but- I'll fight you but first I'm going to drink this beer out of this Shiny cup yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Aaron,
3: Can, continue. Yeah. I'm just giving you trouble. No, <laughs> that's fine. No, but yeah, the Barbashev hit uh, when he hit hurdle. Uh, there was even one in game five where, where we were really upset about uh, Petrangelo hitting Joe Pavelski with the follow through. Uh, just just the elbow. Yeah, with the elbow and just one thing after another. Um, yeah, I, I think what, I think the Blues kind of looked after game one at the tape that of what the Golden Knights did to the Sharks in the three games they won in the first round and try to use that against the Sharks who were obviously banged up. Uh, and, and for that matter, we talked about how the Blues had played two seven game series in 2016. Well, the Sharks did the, the exact same thing in 2019. So they were already tired. They were already starting to be banged up. They just got banged up a little bit more. And for that matter, you know, it, it was they were doing their thing. And unfortunately, uh, the the Sharks couldn't muster it. And, and for that matter, the lack of depth. And, and before I throw it to AJ, let's not forget the uh, the the little distraction prior to game six, at the morning skate where uh, where one of our uh, low lo uh, one of our scratches, or one of our regular scratches, uh, almost got into a fight with the with the backup goaltender.
0: Oh, oh! When Radil and Dell got into it during practice, yeah. I think that's. I forgot when, about that. I think, uh, and AJ, I think will will correct me on will
3: agree with me on this. I, I think when we had that going on, I I'm pretty sure we already knew the writings on the wall for this one. were are pretty much toast.
0: And well, I don't know if that's it to me. A lot of it just had to do with the, it was just, it just felt like it was injury after injury. It's like, okay, Pavelski, you know, after missing seven, well, six and a half games, he gets back. I mean, but you look at all the injuries that were sustained, but by the, you know, a lot of it by the top line players. Uh, When you go with the, when you look at the Vegas series, Mark Edward Vlasic played in four of those seven games. Guess what? The four that he played in were the four that the sharks won. So you, you look at things like that where maybe depth kind of bit the sharks in the butt a little bit, but you got the sharks playing games one through six versus Colorado without Pavelski, and then he makes it back, he ends up getting the first goal. And and that was definitely uh again, it was one of those things that of course can spark a team on to do good things. We're able to get through it. Now uh when it comes to uh the blues. I don't know. I felt like both of these teams had gone through a lot to get there, but maybe the blues were just a little healthier. Uh, you know, but again, it's, that's not an excuse, man. This stuff happens during the post season. Uh, you, you know, I was worried that the, the sharks are going to face Calgary in the second round. You know, that, I think that's who most people expected. It was like, Jesus Christ. You look at the roadmap that the sharks have. It's like, Vegas in the first round, probably Calgary in the second round. Who knows who they're going to get in the last round if they get that far? Eh, that's a lot of heavy hockey that these guys are going to have to play. So to get to the Blues, you know, I like I felt somewhat confident. Like even you know w- when the chips were down, I was like, you know what, I'm f- I'm feeling okay about this. And then the fucking hand pass.
1: Oh let's, <laughs> let's talk about the hand pass
0: <laughs> all right the fucking hand pass in game three and it was just like okay the 2-1 lead now it's just kind of like jesus christ so let's see there's already an asterisk hanging over this team because of the quote unquote five minute major in game seven to vegas you know i i hope that somewhere next to that asterisk somebody puts like No one forced the Vegas Golden Knights to become the (laughs) second team in history to give up four goals in five minutes, but okay, (laughs) you know. And then there's the asterisk on the second game seven, where it's like Landeskog offside, and you're like, fuck Yep. And then the Meyer hand pass that wasn't called and a Meyer slaps it over to uh, who who I forget who got it that I ends was it Nyquist, right? Nyquist to, to Carlson. Uh, Carlson, yeah. So Nyquist to Eric Carlson getting the overtime winner and Eric Carlson did himself no favor in 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 the po- in the post game press where he's like, "Oh, well, you know, hey, we're not playing handball here, you know, no harm, no foul." And I'm like, that's not the way that you want to phrase that, pal. I just, I agree with you. You know? Yeah. I thought that was that, a little, that's silly. the, that's
1: the only reason that I was like upset at all with San Jose, not even just San Jose, but just Carlson. It's like, come on, just come out and say it. You know, everyone knows what happened. Just,
0: yeah, we got away with one, but yeah, we, we got, we were the benefit, uh, you know, we benefit benefited from a miscall. call.
1: That's yeah. all. It that happens. It's you know, not gonna every make game. anyone pissed.
0: All right. Yeah, if anything, it would make people maybe respect you a little bit more because you're calling it what it is. I certainly would have. Yeah. And, so, and, and, well, uh, let me let me finish my point. Let me finish my point here. Is can I finish? Can I finish? Yeah, I, I cannot finish. I cannot finish. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like we weren't like ready to put up shirts that said "Win it for Bennington," but yeah, if you look at, it, um, is the five minute major. Versus game, you know, versus Vegas in game seven. Then you get the Landiscog in game seven. Now, take into account, too, you know, the officiating crew from the Vegas series was shown the door. Like, okay, and you're done for this postseason. Thank you. We'll see you next year. Then Landiscog, game seven. You know, you could make a, a, a call either way. But see, here's the thing. Let me just say this really quickly. The thing that gets me about the Vegas deal with everybody pointing at the five minute major. They all seem to forget that Vegas could have closed it out game six when it went to double overtime, and they yep. were given a power play, but instead they gave up a shorthanded goal.
1: Yep. Oh, I remember that very well.
0: Right? Tomas Hurdle, streaking. So that was fantastic. They also seem to forget that, okay, so the Sharks took a 4-3 lead. Okay, and then Vegas tied it at 4-4 and sent it to overtime. Both teams had 18-some-odd minutes to score in overtime. They both had the same amount of chances. Nobody got a power play, and yet Barkley Goodrow was the one that was able to break through with, like, a minute and a half left. So, like, as much as you want to sit there and try to blame the officials, it's kind of like, you know, if they had made that call with two minutes left in the game, uh, okay, maybe have some, but, like, there was a lot of even chances. If anything, it's like, oh, they allowed the Sharks to even up. You guys still had... The talent to make it through, and again, double overtime. You gave up a shorthanded goal. That's the one I always point to. But then right. we move on to Colorado. It's again, it's the whole idea of look. It was a tie game after the Landeskog thing. It was still, it still ended up being a tie game, and don Donskoy ended up getting the game winner, and it could have gotten the game winner. Hell, Long Beach native Matt Nieto could have gotten the game winner. In that game. So, you know, so I sit there and go that. But then to me, the hand pass in game three. And honestly, I think that was like a bridge too far. And And again, I don't know how many times I need to say this to people because for some reason they don't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. I am not blaming the officials for any of the wins, any of the losses. But if you do look it was like games four five and six that the blues played against the sharks it was 16 penalty minutes for st louis or they were you know they were on, on the power play for 16 minutes san jose was on the power play for six a little bit of a discrepancy there now is it was it warranted oh, oh yeah eric or uh evander kane did some stupid shit you yes, know like did. yeah so i'm totally down with that like the sharks put themselves in that position however though i do think that a little bit, and maybe it's just a conspiracy theorist. A little bit, but it's just kind of like, well, the refs fucked up in Game Seven versus Vegas, and they fucked up in Game Seven versus Colorado, and then they fucked up in Game Three versus Wait. St. Louis, and it kind of made you feel and ever. And after that point, after that, Meyer and and Eric Carlson's dumbass comments in the post game, if you go and you actually try to like watch the officiating unbiased in games 4, 5 and 6. After that, I think you you, you know, like not all of them, there might be a couple you just go, eh, that could go either way. But I think overall, a- as a whole, you might look at it and go, well, okay, maybe maybe the the officials maybe overcompensated a coach again, and I can say this until the cows come home, I am not blaming that <laughs> on the Blues winning and the Sharks losing. Blues were just a better fucking team. And Jordan Bennington, you son of a, you gorgeous son of a bitch. I hate you. <laughs> God damn that fucking kid. What is it about the, 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 the blues when they just pulling a, a goaltender out of their ass when it matters the most. Halak Bennington, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've done it before with, uh, with more, it was more Elliot I thought than Halak, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, uh-huh. And and Jake Allen even uh, you know he came out and had that one really good series against uh, Minnesota, um, but yeah we've done it before but it never seems to to last long enough for a playoff for a, a playoff <laughs> victory and it finally did so yes we we love you glorious bastard Jordan Biddington.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what what was his extension did he only get like two years he
1: got yeah two years it's a bridge deal it's going to take him to UFA um, uh, for four point oh four.
0: Oh no, that's that's a good play by Bennington. He's going to have all the leverage in the world that comes up.
1: It is, Get. and I will say though, I I was I'm actually happy with the deal, uh, just because I think I think there is a, a small element of you do still have to kind of prove it, buddy. You know, like uh, oh yeah, yeah, January he came in in January, and yeah, he had a spectacular run. But man, we got to we got to see this in a full season. We got to see well, what
0: you can do. Hello, I got two words for you, Auntie Niami. Yeah, that's right. You no. Know? Dude okay. come in halfway through after uh, what was it? not Cujo? Who was a who the hell was a goaltender in 2010 for Chicago to start the season?
3: Oh, gosh.
1: Bobby
0: Bowen
3: No, no, no.
0: It... not Curtis Joseph. Huey, uh, not...
3: I think it might have been Huey. Is it Christoph?
0: Yeah, Chris- yeah, might have been Christoph. U-A? Yeah, yeah, or or yeah, Cristobal. Yeah. So, so, but either way, Niami comes in. Yeah, he only had to play. It, it, that's the thing that always drove me crazy, that Niemi was giving it so many props that year, and I'm like, wait a minute. He only had to play half the regular season, and he had one good series. It just happened to come against the Sharks. If you look at his numbers, the rest of those playoffs, they're insanely pedestrian. They were, like, one of the worst. Um, you know, Again, I go back to the defense and the people that were playing in front of them. You know? We all could have got a ring that year. You could have.
1: Um, Eric, I want to get your thoughts on, on the hand pass. Cause the way that I look at it is in, you know, uh, AJ kind of alluded to it that, uh, you know, that kind of maybe made the, uh, the officials, uh, maybe I, I, but the conspiracy theorist in him tells him that, but, uh, look the other way, but, um, and I don't blame you. Cause honestly, I had, I had the same thoughts in Boston, um, with, uh, uh there was a lot of plays in Boston that, uh, the blues started getting suspensions and. You know, there was a lot of talk from the Bruins players. And I thought, come on, like, let's just play hockey. Don't listen to what the Bruins are saying. Don't listen to Jeremy Jacobs. Let's just let them settle it on the rink. And that wasn't happening. So, yeah, I'm with you on the conspiracy theories. I had some in the Stanley Cup finals, so I don't blame you one bit. But uh, with the hand pass for the Blues, at least, and, and Eric, I'll let you answer this one. Um, I thought when that happened, um, and I'll say, and I've said this on the show before, that past Blues teams... That shuts them down. The San Jose Sharks go on to win the series in, in any past Blues team because the mental toughness wasn't there. And maybe this is a testament to the goalie. Maybe this is a testament to the Blues coach. I don't know. But when that happened, I even said "Then I go, you know what? They're going to win out now. They're going to win out because they are pissed off. The way Barubi handled it was, guys, it's another game. Like, shit happens. Let's go out and get them in game four. And that is the right approach to take. He didn't bitch. He didn't complain. He just said, yeah, you know, take the good with the bad. Now, I know that there was talks of what what Doug Armstrong did. I'm not sure if you guys saw the reports on that, uh, that he uh, had banged on the referee's uh, dressing room door and yelled <laughs> fucking garbage at him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but which I don't blame him one bit. Um, no, but, yeah, I mean, chance. it's it's. Uh, I w- so, again, AJ, I'll ask your question. I ask you, you know, when that happened, did you. Did you kind of, did you have the same reaction of AJ? Like, oh, shit, not another one. Or was it, eh, hey, shit happens. Let's see what they can do the rest of the way.
3: I, I was on, we were about to go on the air. um And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, first off, yes, we won the game. And then we saw the replays. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, really? Really? and. <laughs> know, it's just it's like yeah we won they got the 2-1 series lead but i think deep down inside i knew it's like okay there's going to be a crap ton of makeup calls and i think i even said it on the broadcast there's going to be a crap ton of makeup calls for game 4 there's no way we're getting game 4 i just hope we're okay to go, get back game 5 uh well, and, i that and, part and, i remember like and, it was
0: yesterday that you were you were sitting there saying, "Yeah, don't don't even think we're going to win the next game." Yeah, I mean, don't <laughs> don't even. It's like we it. we knew we we're going back to San Jose.
3: Series tied two two, and it's going to be a best of three series. Which you know, hey, best of three, two games in in San Jose potentially. We got this, but but it's like crap, you know. And everybody's talking online. Oh, this is an asterisk if the Sharks go all the way to win the cup, and I was like, you know, I, at that I I, I, guess- I,
0: I knew. I was gonna say that's that's the thing that was really pissing me off. Even like yeah, w- w- you know, Wazinski posting on Twitter, say, you know, like posting a picture of of uh of Peter DeBoer behind the bench looking like upset after game four or something like that. And it's like, wow, you'd think you'd be in a better mood when you'd been gifted three wins or something. And it's just like in this whole uh it, honestly, there there's a little part of me that kind of like is Happy that the Sharks didn't win the cup this year because I felt like, again, yeah. going back, you know, you talk about a callback—the nineteen ninety nine Dallas Stars. It's there is an asterisk that hangs over that victory. Everybody sits there and goes, Brett Hall, foot in the crease, and I feel like people would look at this and go, five minute major Vegas, Landiskog offside, hand pass, whatever. Where it's kind of like, yeah, I don't want that asterisk hanging over the team. And that's what it felt like was going to happen with this. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's tough to take. But again, it's like, you know, we didn't have Tomas Hurdle or Eric Carlson in game six. Hell, I don't know that we had the real Eric Carlson in most, most of the playoffs, to be honest with you. He um, still
3: played pretty phenomenal can, offensively. Yeah, I thought he looked right. fine.
1: I thought he looked okay until game five. I thought game he like- five, he looked like... Okay, who the hell is that wearing the Carlson jersey?
0: Oh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. There was a couple times during the entire playoff run where I was just like, I'm looking <laughs> at 65 and I'm going, okay, what fucking color jersey is this guy wearing again? Like, it, it, because some of his giveaways were just oh, insane. But, not totally yeah, unlike
1: they, him.
0: Yeah, they were horrible. And it, again, I go back to that idea where like he's an offenseman playing in a defensive position, he's one of those guys that. He knows that when he's all healthy and everything feels good, he can outskate a lot of his mistakes. And this season, he was not able to pull that off. So those are things that happen. And then finally, just the last thing that I had in my notes um, was Tarasenko. To me, Tarasenko, 2016 to 2019, is very much like those numbers. You flip them upside down. Whereas Tarasenko, to me was just a monster in his first two series in 2016 and then disappeared in the third round in 2016 and then in 2019 there was a lot of people going where's Tarasenko during those first two rounds and then in the third round it was like hey there's Tarasenko <laughs> we found him yeah <laughs> yeah really was kind of a, a back and forth with that and you know and don't think that there aren't sharks fans that still remember that like Tarasenko got the front cover of the NHL game instead of, you know, a shark. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, and, and you know, it's it's uh, it's funny because, yeah, we, that was something that uh, that was kind of a, a talk. I, I need to go in, and look and figure it out. I'd, I'd like to do it. But um, in 2018, the, the calendar year of 2018, uh, Tarasenko. I mean, that had to be some of the worst hockey I've seen a guy play. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, we were at the end of 2018 and even in the start of 2019, we were all saying, okay, move the guy, do what you can to trade him, get a bag of pucks for him at this point. I mean, he looked like a shell of himself. And all of a sudden, when the team starts turning around and, and maybe it, it coincides because maybe he's you know uh, the offensive leader, so maybe he starts playing better, everyone starts playing better, Maybe it was Bennington maybe it was baruby who knows but um it just he turned it on and looks like this outstanding sh- sniper guy that that you want shooting the puck every chance it's on his stick um you know and 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 again you saw that in the 2019 uh final I thought that um I thought he still looked good in the first two rounds he wasn't scoring the goals he wasn't you know, but we see that a lot, and I know you guys do, you know what I'm talking about with, you know, you mentioned the the good defense you see in the playoffs, that sometimes these guys just, you know, you, you want your depth guys to step up because the, the your big-time scores are just getting shut down by the good defense, um, and that was, I think, what was happening to Tarasenko. You know, the, the Jets were, were pretty good at, at keeping a man on him at all times, which allowed uh, Jaden Schwartz to have a good end of the series. Um, And then again, in Dallas, I thought they did a good job of shutting down Tarasenko, but he just, he turned it on against San Jose and uh, you know, he scored that big penalty shot goal. Um, You know, he scored just goal after goal in that series and it just looked like he could not be contained. And I thought he had another good series against Boston after that and just kept playing this high tempo level of hockey and uh, something that we're used to seeing out of him. Um, So again, I, I think he's a little bit of a streaky player, which maybe goes a little bit into it. But I just think that, you know, he gets that one goal. He's that player that he gets one goal and he says, oh, yeah, that's how I score. (laughs) And then he can just turn it on and keep doing that. Just keep firing the puck Um, when he's when he's shooting, when he has the puck in the offensive zone and he's just barreling the puck to the net. That's when he's at his best. And I think that's what he started doing against San Jose.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. You expected Vlad to score in postseason? Okay, I do not. (laughs) Exactly. That was
1: a conversation in the locker room. I think that was actually uh, audio from the Blues locker room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, before we catch out of here, uh, I definitely have to congratulate you on your new uh, purchase down there in San Antonio with your new head coach, who is another Todd McClellan flunky. So congratulations. Congratulations. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh,
1: man, you guys, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's been a little, some, some, some minor changes here in, in, uh, with, with the organization, not a lot, but, uh, one thing that I want to talk to you guys real quick about is, um, the moving on of Jill Pavelski. Uh, you think that was a, a good move for the
3: Sharks going forward or not?
0: Uh, that go ahead eric one. because because i i i you know my you know my feelings on this go ahead. oh
3: i know yeah this one's a tough one because we we saw it with patrick Marlowe a couple of years ago um you know patty or patty wanted three years doug was only going to give him two. patty said see i'll take i'll go to toronto uh, same thing with uh with pavs i think it was pavs wanted a certain amount and considering how much he want he's done for the organization um you know that it just the numbers weren't going to be able to add up and when that happened we kind of started resorting getting to use to the point that joe Pavelski's not going to be in teal next year and he's not going to be a captain with the sharks anymore um and the point that AJ will probably be making up is because somebody got a contract before Joe Pavelski. Overpaid! Overpaid. I'm with
1: Sorry.
3: you. I'm with both
1: of
0: you. And, I thought that was and, a
1: very strange move.
0: Are you done, Eric?
3: <laughs> all, all, all I'm going to say is this is the age for Joe Pavelski versus the age of Eric Carlson. And with that, I revert the rest of my time over to Mr. Strong. <laughs>
0: uh i thank the representative from walnut creek yielding his time uh so no my whole deal is uh it it, it yeah it comes down to a couple things first off uh eric carlson was going to get that deal you know 11 and a half at eight mil it whether it was the sharks who gave it to him or somebody else uh he was going to get that money and especially when you look at what drew Doughty's getting so uh, somebody was going to make Eric Carlson the highest, uh, most over, I mean, uh, most paid defenseman <laughs> in the NHL. That's fine. Uh, but as soon as that deal was signed based on the salary cap, there was it was clear that Pavelski was on to his next team. Now, the thing that I don't have a problem with this, like, yeah, OK, it sucks. It's your captain. And it really sucks when you take into account how the playoffs happen, you know, taking the shot. In the face in game seven versus Vegas, the team rallying behind that and, and having that ridiculous five minute major him being out for six games. And he comes back for game seven versus Colorado scores. The first fucking goal. It's putting the team on his back, not, you know, also taking into account that, you know, during game six, he comes out of the tunnel and he's waving the towel and shit. Uh, so that was, you know, huge, huge moments. And Pavelski, you even go back to um, a, a time when he wasn't even the captain, but there's the, it's not hard knocks. What the, what the hell happened when it was, a, they were following the team around during the stadium series thing, right? Yeah, road to the stadium and, series. Yeah, the road to the stadium series. And they've, you know, you see a couple of guys, you see Marlowe, you know, just taping a stick and Thornton taping a stick and, you know, a couple other guys during intermission and, pavelski's you know stomping around in the in the dressing room saying you know soft shit doesn't work guys like that you know and he's calling people out he literally for me took the captaincy captaincy i'll you know what word i'm trying to say he took it right then he put the c on his jersey whether it was stitched there or not that's when he was taking it was during that time so to see him uh you know let go that part does hurt now conversely on that Eric Carlson, like putt guy brought up, Eric brought up that it's, there's an age thing. And I am a firm buyer in of the bill Walsh philosophy. Google him. If you don't know who he is, former 49er coach, the bill Walsh philosophy was get rid of a guy a year too early rather than a year too late.
1: Yeah. I agree on that.
0: And that's what I think Doug Wilson. uh, And what's funny is that we've actually spoken to Doug Wilson And he told us about like punches that he used to have with Bill Walsh before he passed away, where he would pick his brain about things. And so I I think that's definitely something that he put into Doug Wilson's mind that, yeah, it's better to get rid of a guy a year too early rather than a year too late. Now you look at some of the contracts that Doug Wilson has handed out recently and you might go, Oh, you're keeping guys a few years too late, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know. But uh, again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I feel bad. I I hate to see him go. Um, conversely, I I think it's it's Logan Couture's time to take over this team. The only thing that makes me nervous about Logan Couture, it's it's kind of a double edged sword, is when the cameras are on and he's got the mic in front of his face. I think sometimes he can almost be honest to a fault and, and it's something that I've never seen from from a shark when the cameras are on and the lights are burning their face uh that he could, he'll he'll call stuff out even himself whatever where he's just you know we we weren't good enough. He doesn't sit there and go, "Well, you know, the other team got pucks deep and but, and they spit out all the clichés." He sits there and goes, "No, we 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 played like shit tonight." You know, we we, we were a bad team tonight. And he puts it on himself. He puts it on the team, and I appreciate that. The thing is, though, is that you see t- sometimes when the cameras are off, you know, so to speak, and they give you like you know the behind the scenes where the players don't really even know that the cameras are there. Which let's be honest, we all know the fucking cameras are there, but you might forget because they're you know there's not bright lights on. And Couture kind of sometimes seems a little quiet. But you know, Patrick Marlowe was the same way. And the other thing too, is we all know Joe Thornton's coming back for one more year. And even though he had the C taken off his Jersey, you know, five years ago, you know, that he's a pretty big fucking presence in the room and he's going to help this transition. But, uh, what was your question again? Pavelski? Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Hey, love the guy. Got nothing but huge love for, for Pavelski. But again, you know, he wanted the term just like Marlowe. He wanted three years. And, you know, do you want the 38 year old guy who already has the nickname of pokey as in slow pokey? I, th- I think I, again, I think Doug Wilson made the hard decision, but he made the right one.
1: Hmm. Well,
0: and that's don't, good to hear. And- and don't worry when he's bought out by Dallas in two years. I'm sure we'll bring him back for a 1.5 million dollars. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the same thing. I'll tell you the thing is a Sharks fan. The thing that makes me the most nervous: you've lost three of your top nine. No more Donskoy. No more Pavelski. And uh, who's shit? Who's the other guy? Oh, Nyquist. And no more Nyquist. Along with Justin Braun, you've lost some key pieces, and you're clearly looking at the youth to replace those key pieces because let's be honest you don't have any more goddamn cap space
1: yeah i don't remember who the guy was that played in uh in the final game of the series but there was a kid that uh, i think he was he the one that scored oh, Gambrell. yeah uh, Gambrough. dylan Gambrell. Gambrell. yeah i thought i thought he looked great is he a guy that, that we're going to see on the team this year
0: uh remains to be seen you know he's going to have to play his way in this is literally the make it or break it year for him 23 years old played with the with the barracuda for most of last season and they seem up on him uh i Mm -hmm. think they're they're kind of thinking that well okay hurdle's going to be your number one center logan's going to be your two uh thornton's coming back you know unless some you know act of God precludes that from happening. So Gambrell is that's who you're hoping is going to be your fourth line center. You don't want to see Barkley Goodrow slot in there. Uh, You know, granted. Yeah. Okay. You had the big goal versus Vegas, but let's be honest. That's because you had played like four minutes of ice time and you were fresh in that game. Yeah. So, you know, you're a winger. So uh you're hoping that Gambrell will be able to play the fourth line minutes and work his way into the third line. But for me, the Sharks, they are really putting a lot of their eggs in the basket of Eric Carlson. And because of that contract, they're going to expect guys like Sasha Semlevsky, uh, Ivan Chekhovich, Joachim Blickfeld. Those are three guys that are going to get a long look in, in camp. And none of these guys have donned a San Jose Barracuda jersey. There's a couple other guys that just on the CUDA are going to get a look like Alexander true. Um, there's even some talk about what's going to happen in, on the defensive side because you've got redeem Shimmick paired with uh, Brent Burns. And that was another key injury, by the way, for the sharks, uh, that redeem Shimmick never played a minute in the playoffs. Cause he, you know, he got injured in March. So it's going to be Shimmick and Burns likely be Carlson and Pavelski and then it's going to be Brendan Dillon, and you know you you saw Justin Braun get shipped out. We got back Dalton Prout. Then there's also Tim Heed, who was a reasonable facsimile of Eric Carlson when Carlson wasn't available. So they're going to get a look. But then on the minor side, you've got Jacob Middleton, you've got Nick DeSimone, and then the kid that everybody's kind of keeping an eyeball on, which is the high-risk, high-reward kid, is Ryan Merkley, who was, a I believe, a 2017 draft pick. So, or was that 2018? 2018. Yeah, 2018 draft pick. So there's that kid. So there's a lot of things that could happen, and then you also take into account that this is Brendan Dillon's last, uh, the, this is the end of his contract. And, you know, again, not a lot of space in the cap, but a lot of defensive Talent kind of bubbling on the surface before you, so or behind you. So, I, I would expect this will probably be Brendan Dillon's last season in Teal. And, uh, you know, year or two after that, when you look at the Seattle expansion draft, it's going to be interesting to see who the Sharks expose. Um, uh, they can't expose Vlasic or Carlson based on their deals. Uh, you might see Brent Burns and Evander Kane both get exposed for the Seattle draft. Just, just based financially, like that's what the sharks can do.
1: Guys, this I, I think I can confidently say this is going to be the longest <laughs> of the series. Uh, looking at the timestamp, we are at uh, about two fifteen.
3: That is fantastic.
1: Yes, so you guys win. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Thank Jeff's, you.
1: Jeff's
3: Sorry. like I gotta be at work in seven hours. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> these teal town guys will not shut up about already looking for a tracking number for my beer package
1: yes yeah there you go yeah Yeah. uh yeah guys this was uh this is great i always love having you guys on i know we like to kind of jab each other from time to time but uh you are one of the few shows that uh that i definitely do uh tell people like hey blues are playing sharks tomorrow night Make sure you tune in to Teal Town because those guys are, are awesome. They always have a good uh, post game show. So, I appreciate
0: um, that so much. And you know what? Imagine if Chris had been on, we'd already be into the next morning. So,
3: yeah. We would be. Hey, you, you, say, <laughs> we, you say you jab, we just hand things off.
0: Oh, oh, oh I like that. I like too that. Too soon. Very too soon. <laughs> eh,
1: too soon for you, but we can laugh about it now. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. Let's. Okay. I'm going to finish this up by saying. Hey everybody, thanks for checking. Uh, th- thanks for tuning in, and we appreciate this so much. I am AJ underscore strong on Twitter and Instagram. And
3: Eric? I'm I'm PuckGuy14 on the Twitter and the Instagram. And of course, hit us up on Tealtown USA on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, tealtownusa.com and check us out on YouTube. Where we are, and uh, how about uh, can can they guys
1: can they find you guys on
3: Google Podcast, Apple
1: Podcasts? Oh my God,
0: MySpace, stuff? Tinder, all of them, we're there. Just search Teal Town USA. <laughs> I,
3: I hope his wife knows about that part. I don't know.
1: <laughs> she's yeah, the one. We're... She's
0: the one who made my profile, bro. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> we're, we're, a lot we're about a... your
1: relationship? <laughs> uh, we are all over the place.
3: Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, you name it.
1: Cool. All right, guys. Hey, again, I really appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, we'll have you on again sometime this season, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. In fact, you know what? It's funny you bring that up. When do the Sharks play St. Louis? Not until December 21st. That, my friend, is a crime that we have to wait that long, but that, in fact, will be our holiday president to each other.
1: Yes, it will. That will for sure. We will uh, we will have a little holiday party between the uh, the five <laughs> of us, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Bring your own mistletoe. <laughs>
1: well, I again want to thank Eric and AJ for coming on again. If you are still listening to this episode, congratulations. You made it this far. Uh, only a couple minutes left here. And, uh, again, uh, thanks to the Teal Town USA guys. Always love having them on. Uh, good stuff from them always. And I know that I, I say a lot in this show. Oh yeah, this is a great podcast to listen to. This is a great website to check out. I, I couldn't mean it more than Teal Town USA. I mean, it, I've told a couple people that uh, have come on the show since, uh, that we had Teal Town USA on, you know, guys from, uh, the Capitals or the Blue Jackets or whoever. And oh, Teal Town USA, they're great. I love those guys. You know, so, uh, they really are a fantastic. Uh, uh, and they do the, um, the, the post-game shows. So, um, you know, if, if you ever want to check out a, a, you know, what's going on with the Sharks or even if you want to check out after a Blues and Sharks game, uh, tune into them. They're fantastic. Again, that is Teal Town USA. Twitter handles for this show, you can find uh, Let's Go Blues Radio at LGB Radio. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Bill Days at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. The next episode will air on Monday, September 16th. Folks, this is another big one. I know I, I pitched the uh, Chicago Blackhawks one pretty heavy. Uh, this is another big one. Even though they're not in the division anymore, I talked to the guys from the Winged Wheel podcast, Ryan, Brad and Evan, and uh we all discussed the history of the Blues and Red Wings. We have a great time. No, we did not drop the gloves, but uh man, we you know, probably could have come close if we would have been sitting in the same room. Uh but they were great guys and and uh, we had a great talk about the history of those two franchises, the, the, the long-standing rivalry they had. And, uh, you know, not going to lie, it felt pretty good to talk to some Red Wings guys after the Blues won their first Stanley Cup. Felt pretty good. So uh, you might want to take a listen to this one because you'll probably feel pretty good too. Well, that will conclude this very, very long episode. I want to thank you for listening and, and sticking through it. And until next time, everybody, let's go Blues. Play Gloria!
0: Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.